Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. Electric word, life, it means forever, and that's a mighty long time. But I'm here to tell you, there's something else. It's on Jesus, America! Kill did it, Unsolved Mystery did it, Halloween Ghost Stories did it, The Gun Show did it. They did those. Yeah! Can we just use Doug's music? I do love Doug. I would love that, man. Doug was awesome. Nickelodeon Doug, not ABC Doug. Doug was always getting himself into like some pussy ass, like. Conflicts though, like they're conflicts that even as a kid I would have been like, ah, yeah, not a conflict. Hey, like, Roger, stop talking to Patty Maynays like that. Well, 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 why did they talk to each other behind my back? I don't know, Skeet. Remind me of <laughs> Ra- remember Rafa? I always had like Doug ass conflicts. <laughs> like, just be uh, fucking man. <laughs> the best story of all time. I don't care if this is in the intro. Is like. Rafa, he got dumped, which sucks for anybody. I hate getting dumped. Oh. Even where he said for his Valentine's Day date, he took his girlfriend to Carl's Jr. They sat in the parking lot and watched what movie on his iPod? Um, Grown Ups. What? One. Grown Ups Part One. What? Stuff. And he goes, I don't know why she dumped me, man. Like, what am I doing wrong? And I was like, um. Because I was asking him, like, because I. I was dating someone at the time. This is like six years ago or something like that. Yeah. We were all pretty young. But even then, he was super young. Fucking idiot takes his girlfriend to where? Carl's Jr. Carl's Jr. Well, not oh. a bad choice, but <laughs> <laughs> still. Not terrible. To download a fucking movie on your iPod. And it was not even an iPhone. It was that, like the one that Jacob iPod, had. iPod video. Yeah, iPod, iPod video, video yeah. to watch fucking grown-ups. Jesus Christ. Ugh. You deserve getting dumped. <sighs> well, and the funny thing about that is I was there when he got dumped so I used to go run at Seaman Park <laughs> and uh, I saw him there with his girlfriend and then like the next day he was like crying at work saying she dumped me and we went to the park and she just dumped me so Rafa thank you for being our number one fan I don't think he, he he's alive right now oh Jeebus rest in peace <laughs> you Rafa. could have told me that son of a bitch nah he's alive somewhere oh so with that said everybody welcome to episode 50 fucking scare the hell out of me good god <laughs> This is part two of part one from last week, our top 20 albums. Um, We review the top five albums, and um, I don't know about you, but I was going into this thing, and this is going to be like a 30-minute episode, so we had some some filler at the beginning, which is probably going to get cut off, but yeah, I mean, we go full... Balls deep into our heart of the paint. In defense, I didn't expect for the filler at the beginning to take about half an hour. I thought we were going to be like five minutes real quick, five, ten minutes real quick with, you know, some current, special current events. I mean, fucking Kim Kardashian and Trump talked about prison reform. I mean, come (laughs) on, man. That at least deserves a sentence. You know what I mean? I'm not even going to say anything else. And there's your sentence. Tell me that was going to happen six years ago. Kim Kardashian's lipstick looks like my shit. (laughs) 
that was part of the conversation. That's right. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so it'll probably be in the bonus episode. But uh, this episode is going to be the remaining top five of our top favorite albums. Probably one of my favorite episodes we've probably ever recorded. It was a fun episode. Yeah, really fun because we get heartfelt. Like Art sells me on some albums I've never heard before. Eric sells me on some albums I never heard before. Pretty sure you guys all heard my albums before. But this is probably the most concise I've ever spoken yeah. in a long time. So it, I fucking I dug the shit out of this. I got a little too fanboy with my number one, but. No, okay. no, no. Your your erection was perfectly sized. Yeah, it, okay. it was it wasn't a full throbbing heart on, but it was just the right amount of chub. Very appropriate for half the yeah, for the album. Yeah, not yeah. too not, hot, not, not too cold. I think it was about chub. a three quarter chub. I think three it was about a three quarter chub, chub but it was it was respectable. You know what I mean? All right, just right. Yep. So um, now that the millions and millions of Art and Jacob do America fans um, have watched on a Facebook Live, uh, we invite you to keep on listening, subscribe. And promote our podcast to everybody that you know, and we'll send you out some stickers. Um, if you see some stickers around Bakersfield, that's because I have started a vandalism campaign. Ooh, <laughs> no, no, it's not vandalism. It's not uh, for the for the uh, anyone official talking. It's not vandalism. Yeah, for BBT and uh, Kern County Sheriff's Department, it's not me. But wink, wink, <laughs> nudge, nudge. It's me. It was. It was. It was. I think it might have been Elizabeth Jackman. Shout out. Yeah. Oh. Ooh, that's not Almost true. didn't get it in there. No, but I, but I plan to put it in my... I got Emily in there, though. Shout out, Emily. Hey. <laughs> See you at the gym. So with that said, everybody, enjoy the show. Shout out, Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> I'm fine. Right, we already lost the Facebook uh, from a uh, lift watcher. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Okay. So... So thank you to hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, this is this is the. Do we have any watch? To, to anyone, we got one. To the to uh, the people listening to the podcast, I'm checking to see who's actually watching this. Spud Web, Mike Peacock, one toss out Spud Web. God bless you, sir. Mike <laughs> What's Spud Web? Anyway, um, it's a player. Spud NBA what? Web? Yes, he won I, the NBA dunk contest contest back like in '88, '89. Oh. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm probably gonna have to cut out all this anyway. No, fuck it. No, fuck it. Okay, so anyway. The last Let's thing I just want to say, I'm just, gonna make, I'm just gonna make a sentence real quick. Kim Kardashian met with Donald Trump to talk about prison reform. That's Speaking all I'm gonna Kim say. Kim Kardashian, this I'm is say. where the episode should start. Number five on my list. Kim <laughs> Kardashian. No, I'm kidding. I did accidentally watch his makeup tutorial, like Kim Kardashian showing off her new lipsticks, and it just kind of like looped over as the next thing that they recommended to watch. And then I was like, what the? F- every every one of her lipsticks look like poop. They're all like brown. <laughs> and I was well, like, you gotta match your skin tone. She looks like poop. she's brown. There was one of them was like poop color. That's like the color of my shit. <laughs> like, you put the you put the, your phone screen next to the toilet. Like, that's that's no, she kept, no. She kept saying like, this umbrae, is, isn't actually. this a beautiful brownie color? She kept like painting her arm like yeah. different colors. And I was like, dude, that's the color of my shit. Like, <laughs> like I've never heard my shit be described as a beautiful brownie color. We call this one Mexican fiber. There it is. There it is. <laughs> All right, so I started off last time, so we'll. St- I, I like this idea. You want to go Art, this you one? started last time. You started this time. You started okay. last time. We started this right. time. So Art got me. Oh yes, so Art got me fucking old Rasputin Russian Imperial Stout, a fucking bomber of this shit. Twenty-two ounces of nine percent beer that I'm most of the way through, and good God, Art's trying to kill me. Anyway, anyways, so I brought I brought all of mine on. Well, not all of them. There's one I didn't get on vinyl. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, so so for those of you not watching the Facebook Live. Or video art actually brought. I guess I should have organized them. Physical copies. Which I guess we were all supposed to. I couldn't find any of mine, so. That's fine. Art number five. Number five. Number five for me is an album that I, a band I hated in high school, and then our friend Micah 
from oh, Target. Yeah. yeah. He was telling me about this band. And he's like, man, you got to check out this band. And it was a band called Brand New. It was the first time I ever heard of this album. It was the first time I ever heard of this. Like, listen to an actual brand new album. It's the, the Devil and God. Not only is it a beautiful album cover, and that's kind of what sold me on it. <laughs> um, I was like, God damn, that is beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. It's a kind of a depressing album, but it's so it's such a departure of like the um, their earlier albums where it was just kind of like this pop punk emo ish vibe, which I couldn't stand at all. Until mm. so they get to this more mature thing dealing with actual adult adversity. Uh, one of the major themes is um, one of their best friends in the band uh, dies from a drinking and driving accident. That's one of the things that goes into the album. The other thing is that the lead singer. Uh, has a daughter with a woman who is not his wife and he kind of like feels bad because he's never he's never going to see his daughter grow up so there's this constant sad vibe about um this girl he never names the girl but he calls her little k so he brings her up a couple of times on different out like throughout the different songs he calls her by different things like little well little k is the thing that he calls her the most but it's just really sad because he 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 brings up these like things about how like he's pretty he brings up the fact that his his her mother is gonna be like your daddy didn't love you and that's not why well, you're not around so a lot of it is like him writing songs saying like no matter what your mom tells you like i love you and it's kind of a downer album but it's a really beautiful album because it, to me that's art yeah. right there because it's reflecting true emotion yeah. right there yeah and it's such a like you know their earlier work was dealing with a lot of relationship stuff stuff that like high school kids go through mm-hmm. as they matured their second album was a little more mature until they get to this album and this album very similar i think they were probably like in their late 20s 28 29 when they brought mm-hmm. out this album which is kind of where you start really dealing with that first like i'm an adult and now there's adversity and like now you're dealing yeah. with real shit in your life and um you know like losing losing someone losing one of your best friends in a car accident like i've never really experienced anything like that i've never lost any of you guys but i could see how it would be really um really traumatic and mm-hmm. i think i think inside the album cover like the very first image you get is um like oh this, yeah like, this very 80s looking image of a of a, one of their friends there so it's it's a it's it's very much like dedicated to like that feeling of of drinking and driving and losing people and the album's called the devil and god are raging inside of me so it's just kind of that constant conflict in your in your mind of like like yes life is good but at the same time life has that shitty shitty elements to it um i don't know just a really really good album and the fact that i it was a band that like sold itself to me like i really enjoyed it because it was a band that i prior to this i had no interest in anything they did and now i'm like obsessed with this album yeah and obsessed with their follow-up the daisy album which I think is great too, but not as good as this one. This yeah, no, this is like, a great, this is a great fucking album. Yeah, and and they started experimenting too, which is like really cool to me. The fact that they started experimenting with noises. There's a song on here called "Welcome to Bangkok," that's an instrumental track, and it's a very noisy track. Um, yeah, I just really loved it. It was it was um, it was produced extremely well. Very every every single song on here is just like Jesse Lacey's voice just hits you with like. A wall of emotion is just yeah i never really i think even though these these next few albums on my list are all i think albums that i think are better um none of them have this level of emotion in them maybe my number two album but um um yeah this this one's amazing this is like a 10 out of 10 album and if you haven't heard of this album go listen to it right now because 
the devil and God are raging inside of me. Pause the podcast. Go listen to the album. I mean, come back. It. Please come back to us. Yeah, Please come back. Right. But this album is amazing, uh, yeah. especially if you've ever dealt with any adversity in your life and you just feel like, damn, I need something to like cuddle me right now. But mm-hmm. this is it. This Don't, is for me. Well, fifth favorite album of all time. You 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 dealt with adversity. You lost me, Murray. That's that true. one time at Albertsons. Yeah, I yeah. lost you at Albertsons. Yeah, I, was. I lost Eric for like. Four, when Twelve we years. Twelve years, dude. <laughs> I was in Albertsons that whole fucking from, time, dude. From like 2006 to 2018, yeah. yep. we were gone. Wow. Fucking yeah, you, I was in Albertsons the whole fucking time, dude. Yeah. If you had gone up to the front, you would have seen me there with my fucking pinwheel hat and a balloon, <laughs> like sitting there with my feet off the ground, yeah. waving, waiting for your asses to come. That just up. remind me of that Futurama thing where like he's supposed to come back for his dog, and the dog's just outside of that store all the oh, time. Oh, that's so that. sad. Yeah. I'm gonna post that picture or, or Instagram. I'm gonna say that's Eric. But anyways. <laughs> In all seriousness, you are. I've never heard this album, but you just sold the shit out of it. Really? No, it's oh, it's good. seriously. And the funny thing about this is, like, they start off as like this like emo pop punkish kind of band, yeah. and and in this album, you don't even hear that anymore. Now you hear elements of like grunge music. You hear elements of like um, very like I don't want to say Pantera ish metal, but like some of the like. Really weird. Kind of I, I riffier can't ex- kind of. Yeah, it's groove. very very riff oriented metal. Not, not like Slayer. It's not super yeah. heavy, but you get some of that weird stuff, and they do mix it with that very sad acoustic thing. Yeah. The way this whole album melts together it just hit me at the right moment. Yep. So, anyways, amazing album. You guys should all check it out. Yep. Damn, dude, that was yeah. beautiful. That was great. Check that was it great. out, dude. End the podcast right there. No one's gonna be able to top that. <laughs> Sorry, guys. And that's my <laughs> number five later. album. So. All right, me? Jacob. What's your number five? Well. My number five album is not as emotionally deep as Art's number five album, but um, we've all said it. Every magazine out there has said it, and this album is one of, if not the greatest, metal albums of all time. Five Finger Death Punch. Better be that one right there. It is this one right here. It's um, <laughs> And if you're watching the Facebook Live, I have a flag of Metallica's Ride of Lightning, and I also have an original 1984 Ooh. pressing of uh, Ride the Lightning on Look vinyl that, right son. here. Look at that, Look at that. Still in the cellophane and everything, and it yep. still has the Kmart um, original sticker on it and everything. I bought it uh, $28 at Rocket Records about oh, 10 years yeah. ago. Megaforce uh, still has a Megaforce logo on it. But um, one of the best metal albums of all time, um, anytime anybody thinks of heavy metal during the 80s, they always think of like cheesy, like, you know, lipstick wearing. Shot or, through the heart. Yeah, shit like that. Metallica took metal back to the streets. You know, it was just four regular ass dudes, and um, their second. This is their second album. It's a way. Art said it about you know brand new, where you know they're at first they were just like this pop punk band, and then they matured into you know something else. Metallica, Metallica started off as punk pop punk band. No, but they started <laughs> off as just basically you know a Motorhead ripoff band. You know, and they had all these like you know cheesy you know hit the lights kind of um, songs and whatnot. Still great songs or whatnot. But they made a whole album dedicated to you know the thought of death. Everything, every every song on here, number numbers one through eight, um, is some iteration of dealing with death. Whether it be you know fight fire with fire, which is about nuclear war. Fire, whether fire. whether it's about you know capital punishment, which is ride the lightning, the title track for whom the bell tolls, which is about soldiers fighting for basically mm-hmm. you know nothing, you know. Uh, Fade to Black, which is a song about, you know, suicide, you know, dealing with suicide. Probably one of the most beautiful metal songs of all time. Yeah. Uh, Trapped Under Eyes, probably the cheesiest song on the album, one of the more um, skippable songs, but still very listenable. Um, even a, a, a current metal band as of right now 
that's their name of their band is Trapped Under Ice. Yeah. Um, you know, it's about, you know, basically dying under, you know, ice or whatever. It's, it's more like a horror story-esque kind of yeah. take on death in that they tell the story. Yeah. yeah. it's I mean, it's cheesy, but at the same time, it's it's a good song. Escape, you know, another song, you know, about dealing, you know, with, you know, death. Creeping Death, which is actually a song about um, a Bible um, yeah. story um, about, you know, the story of Passover, basically. Um, and then you have The Call of Cthulhu, which is an instrumental track about nine minutes long. Um, about, you know, this mythical creature from H.P. Yep. Lovecraft, you know, that's awakening and, you know, out of the sea and has come to destroy everything. The way I would like to explain it is kind of like Metallica's version of Return to Bald Mountain, you know, yeah. from Fantasia. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, beautiful music. Um, and the way I like to describe this album is if you have basic, you know, songs from Kill 'Em All, their first album, which would be, you know, just, you know, basic, you know, chorus, riff, in our chorus uh, our verse chorus verse you know that basic setup this one is like listening to a classic classical album you know by a conductor and it's amazing because i said about kill em all they were only about you know 19 20 years old and they're only about two years older at this point and they're making music yeah. that you could which you know you would see you know about 10 years later you know 10, 13 years later, where an actual conductor can put like this 50-piece orchestra to, and it just sounds even more beautiful. Yep, yep. It's, it's just amazing at the time frame that it came out at. You know, it's just this beautiful piece of just authentic music. You know, orchestrated so well, so complex, but at the same time so catchy. And I think you told me this one time. We were having, you know, kind of like a little musical, not debate, but just discussion, where it says it's it's almost harder to write a catchy song than it is to write a complex song. And I think Metall where Metallica's um, Ride the Lightning does the best job is it writes catchy music, but at the same time, very complex. Mm -hmm. When I play these songs on guitar, I mean, it's not the most complex, but it's the most, it's the perfect balance between catchy and complex. Yeah. yeah. I've always thought that, you know, if anyone ever had like a question of what is metal music, I feel like this album covers every bass in it. Yeah. It's one of my favorite metal albums of all. Just fantastic album. And, and it's this is like taking kids to school. Like, yeah. you want to learn about metal? You need to listen. This is like 101. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. you need to learn this before you learn anything yeah. else. Because this introduces you to prog things. You hear a band like Mastodon. They've clearly heard this album before. Yeah. They've clearly been influenced by this album. Bands like Meshuga. Pretty much any band basically under the age of like 50 <laughs> yeah. has been influenced by this album yeah and, and um yeah i think it's just the greatest thing out there i was gonna say I, one I, of. I never and i never thought about it like that but the way you said that kind of the conductor thing and, and the fact that yeah you know snm came out in what 90 no no, no. 2000, 2000 99 99 okay so snm comes out snm is symphony and metallica uh and it's a live album where metallica does all their songs with the backing of a fucking symphony orchestra. symphony orchestra and they and it makes it work it's not like kiss came out with something similar like five years later something like that but all they did was <laughs> the 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 conductor just the, the the all it was was it was just following apart with the guitar part it was just mm -hmm. following the lead it was just following that's all they did uh -huh. they just mimicked everything but no but snm someone was actually able to put like a lot of depth underneath mm -hmm. these songs and, that's, and, and you can't do that with kill them all you, you wouldn't no. be able to do with those no but like this is the start of something like that so yeah i think i've never thought about that but that's a great fucking point mm -hmm. 
Metallica, number five. Ride the lightning. All right, Eric. All right, so my number five, uh, I'm going back. I'm going way back. I'm going way back. I've already talked about Santana. I've already talked about Steve Ray Vaughn. Another one of my my personal big four, um, Mr. Jimi Hendrix. Oh, baby. His first album, Are You Experienced? Oh, my God. All right. I'm going to tell you right now. Fucking, are you? Oh, there we go. There we go. Oh, yeah, baby. For those of you that are watching the Facebook feed, I got I got Jimmy now doing his peace sign. Uh, yeah, Jimmy talk. take over. Um, so I love Are You Experienced? Uh, here's, here's, here's my thought, all right? Jimi Hendrix is probably the greatest guitarist who ever lived. And it's not, most of his riffs are in the key of E. Like most, mm-hmm. like, like most of his songs are, if, if you fuck around with an E scale, like you will come along Hendrix style to a certain extent. Um, but it is the sounds that he produced out of that guitar, the things that he was able to do, the way that he approached it, um, every yeah, little thing the from detail his, on this fucking thing. from his, uh, from the way that just he, he being a left-handed player, uh, just taking a, a strat and putting it upside down. So his his guitar was always upside down perpetually, but yes. he still strung it um, properly for him. Um, doing little things like just playing a riff and then putting the neck of the guitar against the mic stand and just sliding it up and down to get the sounds. It, it, it's 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 not like he was the most technically proficient guitarist out there, but he was just so smooth and he had feeling and he just tried to get noise out of that instrument. Mm-hmm. And when you look at Are You Experienced, I think the title track, Are You Experienced? Not is, necessarily stone. Yeah, but beautiful yeah there you go yeah <laughs> that's that track right there is just again lyrically he's talking about you know he, he's he's very kind of psychedelic in his in his in his lyrically what he's looking at but he also achieves that very organically through his music uh the whole guitar solo during fucking um are you experienced the guitar track and the drummer like he he recorded the, the guitar and the drums for the solo on the same uh track on a four track and you're playing them backwards. Mm-hmm. So what you're hearing in the solo is you're hear- hearing all of the riffs going backwards. You're hearing the notes loud. Or no, no, you're hearing the, lo- the notes he's playing kind of soft. And they're getting louder and louder and louder. Because instead of hitting a note and then letting it die off, as soon as he turns it backwards, the note is coming from being nothing to s- organically generating back to where he plucks the string. The cymbals, too, the drums uh, played backwards. It's amazing. It's it's it sounds fantastic, and he had just this vision of shit. Are you experienced? What does it sound like when you're not necessarily stoned, but beautiful? What do you hear? And you hear the symbols being played backwards. You hear the hit on the snares backwards. You hear the notes that he's playing backwards, and it's just fucking. It's it's for for that time frame. It's just fantastic, and I I, I hear some people. You know, I remember back around the early two thousands, Pro Tools was a big thing. And people were saying Pro Tools for music editing is cheating and all this other shit. And someone made the argument, do you think Hendrix would make uh, would use Pro Tools if he were alive today? It's like, well, fucking yeah, yeah, yeah he would. When he died, he was building Electric Ladyland Studios, mm-hmm. which was going to be the most technically advanced for 70, 71 studio in the world because he wanted... He didn't just want to like do what the guitar could let him do. He wanted to use the guitar as an outlet to create the sounds that he was hearing in his mind. Mm-hmm. So fucking Are You Experienced, I think, is is the must-listen-to t- track off of that. Purple Haze, of course, everyone, like, that is probably, yeah, fucking your Purple Haze fucking bang, which is <laughs> uh, a great energy drink. 
uh, that we all love, um, and uh, we need to be really contact about trying to give us money. You know, what I mean, fucking just saying. We gotta uh, send them bikini you know. pics, though. Yeah, we. Do. Oh, that's right, we do. Because when you want a sponsorship from Bang Energy, they want to see uh, your port, your basically your modeling portfolio. Yep, so, that's right. Yeah. Um, Art, I need you to take your shirt off. Damn. Yep, yep. got to do it. Right, we take, take one for the team. You know push, what, but, push those boobies together. And let's do it right now uh, before I take your appendix out so we don't have the scar. I can show off my Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but Jimi Hendrix, Are You Experienced? Um, that's that's my number five of all time album. Um, and he is he is one of my top four guitarists Good of all choice, time. man. Thank and, you. Yeah. Thank you. It actually tran- transitions over to my, my number four. Okay, let's hear it. Uh, which so is originally my number two. Tricks. Yeah, my number two was it was originally going to be my number two but it got dropped down to number four because i just realized one i don't own it two it influences some of my later choices my number four album is mars volta's francis the mute Ah, another left-handed player yep extremely influenced by Jimi hendrix uh that's omar rodriguez lopez um who created this crazy way of recording albums just because he hated um rick rubin so much uh (laughs) so the first like album and a half that they created rick rubin was on board as their producer yeah and he just hated working with him he did they didn't see music in the same way uh rick rubin is very much about like the singers the main focus everyone else is like the backing band yeah and he hated that concept so um gets rid of him starts creating this album um and in the in the middle of all this they're touring with um they're just touring with the perfect circle i think this is their first album they're get their uh guitar tech slash best friend to omar uh finds this because he used to be a repo man for cars yeah so he finds this journal and in the journal it's basically the story of this guy who was trying to find who his real parents were so it's just this journal going through crazy notes about like well this person said that this other person was my real mom and blah 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 and omar took it as like a project because in the middle of this his friend like overdoses on drugs the guy who found the journal initially yeah so omar takes it as this big project of like i'm going to create an album dedicated to one this person that was trying to find his real parents and two his friend who found the album was who died who overdosed and then um so that's francis the mute francis the mute is a story about a, a mother who has like who deals with all these all these things about she knows who her real son is but her real son is this drug dealer you just have to like go through this layer layers and layers of the, these characters that you meet on this album it's really just five songs and each song is about 10 minutes long the yeah. last one is 30 minutes long it's the big monster of the of the album but it takes you down like this giant roller coaster of like psychedelic right. acid trip type of drugs and it's produced beautifully and and one of the things that i didn't know about this and this is actually why it was going to be ranked higher because i thought i was like this is fucking genius I guess Omar would take each individual musician, like his drummer, he he wouldn't tell him like what part of the song this is. This isn't a bridge. This isn't a chorus. I just need you to play this um, to the the best of your ability with all your passion. Like if this is the last thing you're going to play before you die. Because he was just like, dude, like my best friend, you know, like, Right, right, right. Like put his life into like creating the like finding this notebook and trying to figure out who this guy's parents were. So he's like, let's just create the most passionate album. So he didn't think that they were um that they were giving him his best performances so he started <laughs> if you ever look up pictures of the recording sessions of this there's always guns around because he would have loaded guns like <laughs> but there was only one bullet in each gun so he would say like this is it this is this is going to be the most intense performance you're going to give me 
because you could die. Like this gun could go off at any minute. Oh my god! So they were very passionate about like this wow. is it. This is the most. Side note: I have intense. an idea for the next time we record from now on. Just, <laughs> yes. Russian just roulette. One fucking, yeah, just, just <laughs> fucking in the middle of the table. Just just constantly revolving. <laughs> they were very intense about wow. like this has to be the most intense performance you ever give me. And um, <laughs> did you ever just like fire a round off into the air? I don't know, really but I know that I know I know that Cedric, the lead singer, said that he. He just in order to create better like lyrics, he spent like over like ten thousand dollars on like marijuana. Wow! <laughs> and so like, because he just thought he was getting like a really good thing. Omar created this giant wall of televisions to like be playing like random things just to like trip out the musicians so they couldn't really focus on like, on like, because he he thought like musicians would come in with their you know like you're going. You're gonna go have dinner with your girl after this or whatever. Mm. So you came in a with sensory like, overload. So that if you have to focus on something, yeah, you're so, focusing on the music. Yeah, it's playing. like it's nothing yeah. but music the minute you walk in. So like, yeah, it was just like recorded. It's just when you hear it, it sounds insane. Like it's there's at the end of it, at the end of the first track, it goes into like this like four minute long keyboard solo where like the the keyboard player was like tripping out on yeah. acid because like they had no idea what was what was going to happen he just thought it was like the intro to the song but it's actually the outro to the first song and so like yeah it's just ridiculously amazing album i it's, did not know that. i've heard that album before and it's fantastic but i did not know all wow. of that that's fucking yeah ridiculous. there's some like ridiculous and each, each one of the characters actually. like who i think i like silhouette or something like that is like the first track on there uh, and then the widow is like the the widow telling the story about that drug dealer who's like supplying drugs to kids in the neighborhood i don't know it's a very dark album but yeah. it had to be like that so amazing album go listen to it dude fucking francis the mute bud fucking guns <laughs> sucking sensory overload like that's what you want your dude. rock and roll to be though i mean yeah. come on now. you know that's rock and roll if it's not like you said last episode like if it's not if it's too safe then what the fuck am i listening yeah. to yeah it for? You, know you know what that, I, you know what that just inspires you might as well me. listen to the mormon tabernacle choir at that yeah. point yeah. that next time i'm just gonna fucking dose your guys drinks with like lsd or something like that we're just gonna see what Fuck. happens we're gonna go straight hang episode 53 you know I mean? dude i'm telling you <laughs> that album when it gets to that very last song i forget what i think it's like gemini something something the very last song on it that 30 minute monster where he's just like going and going and going and i I don't know how many recording sessions that took to get his vocals like that, but it was just like, there's a part where he just starts like belting out like screeches and stuff like that. It's just <laughs> intense. Like it just, I don't know, dude, too much passion for one nice. recording. Yep. But anyways, yeah, that's number, number, my number four. Wow. Um, All right, Jacobo, number four. I don't know how I'm going to follow that up, but I'm going to do my man. best. <laughs> my number four, um, I mean, and I want to preface this: these, all of these five albums, I think at one point I could put them at number one. Like the 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 distance yeah. between my love for these albums is like is like on a razor's edge, basically. Mm-hmm. So I mean, this album could be number one next week. I don't I don't know, but as of today, it's number four. Um, to me, this is the best produced rap album of all time, and it is Dr. Dre's The Chronic. And oh, I do not yes. own it on vinyl, but I do own two copies two of it. Two CD copies of it. And I actually own it on tape, but I couldn't find it, the tape um, copy, because um, when I moved three or four they, years ago. The CD is smelling like weed, dude. I'm like, wait, why? Why is it? High school. That's all I was saying. <laughs> high school. Let me see. I like the intro where he's like leaning on a lowrider. Yeah. Or like the inside gatefold. Yeah. So yeah. show him everybody that. 
to Facebook Live. And the CD, too, which is just the weed leaf. I didn't know a, what that a, was. A marijuana. Was a, a marijuana leaf. I didn't know what it was. To call it weed is a derogatory term, or so I've heard. You know, it's, it's the it's, chronic. It's the chronic. <laughs> well, yeah, no, yeah, no, the chronic, you know, bud and whatnot. But to call it weed, that's not, you know, no one likes weeds. That's that. So I've heard. So I've heard. Not that I would know anything about that. But Dude, anyway. this album perfectly balances, like, a party atmosphere with, like, full-on street violence of, like, the Rodney King riots. The LA like, riots. LA riots. Yeah. Just, like... It's, it documents L.A. in that time frame, in 1992. And I remember when this album came out, I was very much... I think I, it was 1992, so I must have been six or seven years old. How I happened <laughs> upon this tape, I have no idea. I want to blame it on my older cousin, Joel, from L.A. Uh-huh. But I remember he visited or whatever, and he must have left them there. This one and then my next rap album that I'll go over with you. Um, but I had these tapes, and I remember listening to them in the summer of 92 just over and over and over and over again. And what I dug about it is, is everything on MTV was so shiny, so glossy, yeah. so um, there's the musical artist and there you are down here. And what I loved about this album was Dr. Dre and all of his cronies, like in the music videos that I would watch, they looked like your friends at school right, right, right. with the flannel shirts, with the the um, Ben Davis fucking hats and the you yeah. know, slacks and the Dickies and the Cortezes and whatnot. You know, <laughs> the ways of the way of life where, you know, there's always a barbecue going on. There's 40s all around because we lived in the hood. Art and I, we grew up in East Bakersfield. And this is what East Bakersfield looked like, which is pretty much like East L.A. or South Central L.A. And it's just like it's just like this is the music that documents the yeah. life that I'm living right now. And not only that, the songs are catchy. I mean, this is the album that has nothing but a G thing, uh, Dre Day. G thing. <laughs> D's Nuts came off of there. The, probably yep. one of the most funniest fucking skits of all time. Um, I mean, I mean, it set the precipice for West Coast music um, for the next almost 30 years. Uh, you, um, you're the album that you brought up. It didn't take until Kendrick Lamar's Good Kid, Mad City, until the West Coast actually started to change. I mean, this yep. album is so influential from 1992 basically till 2012 rap music was copying the chronic just over and over and over and over and over and over again you know until something else that dr dre put out or helped you know produce changed all of that you know even his second album 2001 you know it's just it's just an updated version of this album and this album is just one of those albums where it just it changes music it's like the beatles like when they came out with sergeant pepper like you know it might not be the greatest you know, lyrical album of all time, but what it spun off of, yeah, it, it just influenced everything afterward. And you, it, it has to be, you know, in anybody's top five or top twenty or whatever. In my opinion, like if you're not fucking with this album, you're not my friend. I'm sorry, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And and what Art said too as well. And the content of this this album is so great. I mean, yeah, you have your party tracks, which is nothing but a G thing, but it's not mindless gangster rap. Yeah. It's social commentary as well. You know, in between the tracks, like the little skits or whatever. Yeah. Like if you ain't if you know, if you ain't if you're out there, you know, spending money on a jerry curl, but you're not helping, you know, a poor little <laughs> African, you know, suffering from apartheid, then you need to get the fuck up out of here. You know what I'm saying? Because you know, it it's it's socially conscious at the same time. It slips that in there to, to you, you know. And I'd like to think that this is one of those albums that helped me, you know, become who I am as a person. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do have, you know, those like mindless, you know, gangster yeah. rap obsessions. But at the same time, too, I have, you know, like that that consciousness as well. And I would like to think that this album, you know, implemented that as a yep. young six or seven year old. You know, <laughs> so um, Dr. Trey's The Chronic, probably the 
finest produced album of all time and as i have right here i have two copies of it because one copy i listened to it so much it cracked what's your favorite yeah. song of the album probably d's nuts just because <laughs> we haven't really talked about our favorite songs on the, on the albums i i, I, I didn't mind I should have done mine, but... Yeah, I mean, we there can it. going forward. But it's probably these Nuts. And not because, you know, it has a funny skit at the beginning, you know, but because just the, the music behind it, it's so heavily layered. Like, there's probably... I've, I've, I've counted, there's probably about nine or ten layers of music. Now, most, you know, basic rap songs, it's usually, you know, just like the drums, the bass, and you know, whatever, you know, your um, soprano melody is going to be. But you, there's about six or seven drums going on in the background. It's got that heavy dun 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 And it's got you know that heavy bass, and it's got like these these melodies and counter melodies that are going on. It's got like that signature G funk, you know, high whistle that. You're gonna have to bring the levels down on that one. Yeah. That's a good, but I can see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. But it's got, <laughs> and it just has so much music. And then you have Nate Dog, the 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 introduction of Nate Dog, just seeing that I can't be faded. Yep. I'm a. Mm, <laughs> <laughs> no n words on this podcast. You got Snoop Dogg. You got fucking the Dog Pound on there. Just it's just the great to me one of the best produced songs of all time. On probably the best produced rap album of all time, dude. You know what? This is this album just has like an amazing flow to it. Mm-hmm. It just, I look at, I'm just, I was just looking at the track listing as you were talking, and I'm just like, man, every song just flows perfectly into the next one. Um, to go from a song like, like Let Me Ride, um, and then the very next song on it is the day the N words took over. <laughs> <laughs> it's just uh, that's. That is an intense thing to uh, achieve yeah. because I, those are two very different yeah. songs. And, but I, I, I but think, they flow together. I think yeah, you're right in, that, in, in the sense that this isn't, you know, like a lot of this stuff that we're talking about today, it, it captures the particular artist in that moment. This album caught L.A. in that moment, at least Dre's L.A. in that mm-hmm. moment. And it did still influence L.A. For years to come, and yes. so it was an it's it's actually really an amazing achievement. That Dude, this album it's almost like a feedback LA loop for to LA, this day. You know I mean? yeah. Dude, there's dudes dressed like this oh, right fuck, now yeah. walking oh, around. Yeah. If you replace that with like a Lakers hat or a Dodgers hat or whatever that that Jake is wearing right now, like this, this yeah. my Lakers to and this day, like home, this fashion. Yeah. Dude, this dude's wearing like white shoes right now. I I'm wearing white shoes and black pants on purpose just to try to recreate this look. <laughs> yeah, like like. The and fact that's that 1991, 1992. This yep. is this is something that like Kendrick Lamar has been trying to recreate yep. for like the last like thirty something. Every yeah. anybody who, thirty years who, who does West Coast music has been trying to recreate. Who's that one rapper we're trying to get on? Um, retro, retro, and retro references this album a lot. We should get him on here, man. Yeah, he he even in his music, you know, it's just like oh, it yeah. sounds just like this yeah, era, yeah. you know. And I, to, one of the greatest rap albums of all time. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. All right. So, my number four um, art is much. It's it's funny that my number five led into your number four with the the whole you know Rick Rubin thing and hating Rick Rubin because my number four is a Rick Rubin produced album and that is Slayer's Red and Blood <laughs> in a lacerated sky. <laughs> I don't hate Rick yeah. Rubin by the way. No, I know you don't, but the, you know, yeah, but yeah. no, no, but but uh, Rain, <laughs> Rain and Blood by Slayer um, is a Rick Rubin produced album and it is. Uh, <laughs> It is almost like the 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 anti fucking ride the lightning, mm-hmm. um, while still being like one of the most influential middle albums of all time. Uh, it is just so it, it's 
fast. It is fucking dangerous. It is. It is the the in in, in regular sure. co- in regular conversation, the word cacophonous does not really come out very often. Cacophonous is a word that I would use pretty regularly to to <laughs> to do rayers, to describe ra- slayers, rayers, rayers slain in blood. Rayers slain in blood is amazing. It is cacophonous. Fucking. Um, the whole album from start to finish, the whole thing, it just touches on fucking death. It touches on murder, suicide. It touches on... Um, it's basically it's, your it, parents' worst nightmare. It touches on the Holocaust. The first album, Angel of Death, is 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 set in the Holocaust. And it is talking about... It, it is a song about one of the um, doctors that would do fucking uh, experiments, experiments on Jews in concentration camps. It is not a pro-Holocaust song, which a lot of people think. <laughs> no. Uh, but that's because that they're you know just they're, they're tipper gores you know what I mean yeah fucking uh, it it it's it's such an it's such an amazing album because it is it's one of those things where when a Metallica came out their big thing was you know what we can be faster we can be louder you know than all this other shit that's coming out and that's and they were and they did and the Slayer came out and said well we can be even fucking faster mm-hmm. and you know what and they fucking did it and they it is probably the single most influential Slayer album there is. Um, well, yeah, because every album after is the same. And I was gonna say, and, and that's the beautiful thing. There's so many, so many bands, so many bands put the same fucking album out over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Only two bands can do it successfully: fucking Slayer and ACDC. Those are the <laughs> only two true. bands that can successfully put out the same fucking album over and over again. Um, this is, I think, Kirk Han- uh, Hanneman and Kerry uh, uh, King at their lyrical finest. Kerry King and Henneman write all almost all of the lyrics for every fucking or did before Henneman died. Mm-hmm. Um, God bless him, which is ironic. Uh, mm-hmm. Fucking, uh, they they wrote all the lyrics. Uh, Tom Morea is actually a pretty devout Catholic. He has a cross on his arm, mm-hmm. but being the singer it doesn't matter because he doesn't write the lyrics. So he will just do whatever the fuck you know. King. And I always Hedman tell do people and, too because they always tell me, "Oh, isn't Slayer like that satanic band?" I was like. Well, are you a Satanist because you watch fucking horror movies or yeah, because yeah. you watch The Exorcist? The way I like to explain people, I mean, this is this podcast is going to be very heavy metal driven, obviously. And the way I like to explain it is like heavy metal is basically watching a horror movie. Just yeah. because we listen to hard music doesn't mean that we, we're trying to invoke spirits or we're trying to worship the devil. I mean, goddamn, I have so many Christian tattoos all over me. I have so fucking... Ironically, I just said the GD. Yeah, yeah, I use the Lord's yeah. name <laughs> as I'm trying to defend my, my faith. But, you know, I mean, you walk around this house, I got Jesus candles or whatnot. But it's at the same time, like, I live life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I watch horror movies. Yeah. And what better concept? I mean, not everything can be, I want to hold your hand. Yeah. Some stuff, you know, out there, you know, like, like Angel of Death, probably one of the gr- finest metal songs of all time. You know, it's talking about real shit. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's talking about it, yeah. what happened in the Holocaust, you know. The Holocaust wasn't just what you saw in Schindler's List. I mean, there was some more fucked up shit going on there, yeah. you know. Um, human experiments, you know, like where he would pour acid into people's brains to see if he can yeah. create zombies. Which, and he yeah. is he is the angel of death that is being referred to in the song. I can't yeah. remember the doctor's name. I had it written down somewhere. I don't know where it's at. Uh, but he would do things like, you know, sew twin, Jewish twins together. Baby, babies. I think it was together. Dr. Dr. Ben Carson. <laughs> <laughs> Eric's choking. That's not funny. Um, <laughs> anyway, but to uh, me, yeah, also, so. too, this music gives such a positive, I mean, quote, unquote, positive outlet for, you know, just when you're when you're 14 years old and you have all this rush oh, yeah. of testosterone going through you, I mean, you're not going to, I mean, pl- playing football or going getting on the wrestling team, that's not just going to suffice, you know? Sometimes you just need to get in a fucking pit and fucking let out that that's aggression. Late, like, you know, that's a fact. I'm 32 you, and I still do that. Exactly. How old were you guys when you guys first heard Raining Blood? 
12. Well, I don't even know. I'm not even sure. But 12 it years was old. Young. It was young, and it was too young for me to fully appreciate. And it took me until about I was 16 or 17 to listen to it again. Like, I was like 15 fuck. years old when I heard it. Yeah. And at this point, I was like getting into metal. Like I knew some metal bands. And then I was like, fuck, this is heavy as shit. Yep. I think Angel of Death is one of the greatest. It, it, it is it is a fantastic track, but I think it is the greatest opening track for an album. Ever. Oh, because you you just maybe you might because be. like because you you open up, you know, you're like, all right, you know, whatever. It's it's you know, a calm day and you know, sunny, you know, downtown Bakersfield, you know, where birds are chirping and whatnot. And you put on your CD, sight unseen, and fucking all of a sudden, Angel of Death just comes on, and yep, exactly, fucking. It just puts you like immediately hits you in the face and he puts you in that mindset. Oh my god, it's so fucking good. Um, and that breakdown is amazing too. Yep. And then at the end of the album, at the end of the album, you finish. I got a half chub right now. You finish with post mortem, and post 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 mortem is a great song. But the way that it it transitions into Raining Blood, which is the final track, Jesus Christ! And the way that that song, that the way that song progressive, it slows down and it 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 speeds up to just the the total fucking chaos at the end of that fucking song. When I saw I saw Slayer live when they were on tour back in '04, and uh, Mastodon and Killswitch Engage were on tour with them. And Slayer did like two sets basically. They did like an hour and a half of just like classic songs, you know what I mean? Um, nothing off of Rain and Blood though. So they were just doing all these songs, then they took a break, then they came out and they did Rain and Blood, the whole album in its entirety, start what? to finish. Oh, yes. And then uh, Post Mortem, when Post Mortem played, they played the song, and then at the end of the song, the drums are ta ta and the lightning's going off and shit like that. Everyone came off on stage, and everyone came back with all white instruments. And they started playing Raining Blood, and at the end of Raining Blood, the stage started raining blood, and you could see these That's red badass. streaks. You could see That's red streaks cool. all on the white guitars and bass and drum set and shit. Didn't, oh. didn't Metallica do something like that where they had an all white stage? Oh my god, yeah, but it wasn't. It, it was. Wasn't, it doesn't sound as cool as that. That sounds badass, but. <laughs> but yeah, so Slayer's Raining Blood. Fuck. Just, just, and this was also the last uh, true original lineup album because Dave Lombardo left the band as a drummer uh, during the touring cycle after mm-hmm. this album was released. So. Probably one, of, probably the finest metal drummer of all time. Oh all. yeah, goddamn! I'll tell you that. Anyway, I love this album so much. Anyway, go ahead, uh-huh. Art. Well, number going three. back to my bag of tricks here. <laughs> uh, my number, yeah, here it is. Numero tres. Oh Ooh, shit! That's beautiful. My uh, oh, number shit. four, four, three, three, three. First, fourth favorite album of all time. This is Tools, Lateralis. It's holographic, as you can probably tell. The, the, uh, the, uh, for those of you watching on Facebook, not for those of you listening on the podcast, this doesn't help you at all, but it is holographic, the album that Art is holding right now. Uh, let me just go ahead and take you down the acid trip that goes on inside. So hey, um, Shout out Emily Kerrigan. Acid trips, baby. There you go. It is just an amazing album. When I was a little kid and I first heard this... Um, I was I was blown away, but I didn't really fully understand the whole concept of the album. Um, I didn't understand sacred geometry. I didn't understand any of that shit. Mm-hmm. Apparently, there's a lot of sacred geometry in the way that each song is written. The song Lateralis, I guess, is, has yeah. a mathematical pattern where it's it's just mapped out perfectly to like fit in the every syllable of the word adds yeah. up to like whatever. If you know what sacred geometry is, then you get what I'm talking about. If you don't, then yeah, you suck. Um, 
and I, apparently there's the track listing itself adds up to like a mathematical like thing and people call that the holy gift because it's like yeah. if you add up the numbers of the time that each song is and if you like do all these things to, to uh it's 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 uh, what i've heard is the fibonacci sequence yes yeah, yeah, so, so if you so if you put the the songs the the track numbers in the correct order to match up with the fibonacci sequence then uh you actually get an album that just flows from one song into another perfectly yeah. so Man, I, I, there's so much to say about this album. Okay, it ends on the very famous Art Bell phone call of the Area yeah. 51. Yeah. And I don't know if you were going to talk about this, because you brought up this album prior to... Um, My number 11, yeah. Yeah, so you brought this album up already. But it ends on that note of uh, of the phone call that Art Bell gets about somebody talking about Area 51 and how there's like these aliens that are going to take over the world. And that phone call actually doesn't really tie into the rest of the album which is kind of weird <laughs> i feel like they just threw that in as like let's just try to throw in something that's kind of spooky but kind of funny to us and so um i don't know i love it i love the fact that this album ties in with this like thought of like i don't know i guess life breeding life yeah and like i think some of the artwork inside kind of has a Fibonacci sequence of those circles creating the flower of life or whatever mm. it is. If you, I'm not gonna pull out the whole thing, but some of it starts overlapping and creates the flower of life. Um, yeah, I mean, the song Schism um, kind of talks about that of about like humans overvaluing bullshit. Trying to think, trying to think of a track listing right now. It's it's like okay, because I would explain it like this too. Remember that documentary where we were watching about DMT, where it's talking about opening up your third eye, yeah. where it takes yeah. you to a whole other level. Yeah. Um, that that's how I'd explain this uh, this album. It's like opening up your third eye, and what that basically is is like that some science <laughs> is like there's a third <laughs> eye inside your brain where it's just un. The pineal gland? Yeah, yeah, where it's just like unopened thought into another dimension or whatever, where you, like, it's another level of enlightenment, basically. Mm -hmm. I thought you were going to say unopened thigh. <laughs> that's that's a different level of enlightenment. That's a, that's a different yeah, level, yeah. Yeah, another, yeah, a different level of enlightenment where, you know, it, 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 where it's more thoughtfulness, you know, where things start to make a little bit more sense, you know, where you, I, it's hard to put into words, but just listening to this album, like you, you, you kind of get that too. Where it's just like not everything's black and white. There's other planes and other dimensions and fields that you can explore, you know, mm -hmm. and other you know meanings to life, you know. And to me, that's beautiful. And what you said about the um, Fibonacci sequence, the the, the thigh. Oh, Eric! Not everything <laughs> is about sex. The open thigh. But, yeah, yeah, the Fibonacci sequence, yes. I think, you know, and it's, the album kind of starts off dealing with very, like, mortal concepts, like the, yeah. the grudge, where it's just, like, it is very true. Like, a lot of times, one of the things that um, we hold to ourselves is, like, um, like the grudge that we um, that we can't let go of things. Mm -hmm. And and he, he talks about that, like, you wear a grudge like a crown. And so, like, and it's very true. I think we both have kind of dealt with situations like that where we, like, people have pissed us off or something like that and it just it rubs us the wrong way to the point where it's hard for us to like move on from things like that mm -hmm. and i feel like an album like this you know i i got it when i was a kid but now that i'm like i'm an adult i really understand it like i, I really it. i really appreciate things like this you know and the fact that it's so well thought out and it's it's not it's a metal album but yeah. at the same time it's not slayer metal where it's like here's a bunch of angry hate hate hate, hate. this is yeah. almost like let go of that shit like that yeah. shit doesn't matter there's there's a deeper meaning to all of this, 
and we're about to explore it down this like crazy psychedelic Fibonacci sequence of of mystery and it really ends on a really mysterious note because yeah. it, it leaves you in this like awkward moment of like you're on your own like, yeah and okay. I, I i love the fact that like it, and it does it at levels too like i remember being a kid and listening to this thing and just when i just not really thinking about it just when i caught on oh parable and parabola yeah and it's like the same riff and you know the, the couple of lyrics are repeated, but you know it's two totally different songs. Oh my god, that's mind blowing! That someone would even think to do that when I was like fourteen or whatever the fuck it was, and then to listen to it back again and realize like, oh shit, oh no, there's a lot fucking more of that. That is like the like right the gloss on the top, mm-hmm. fucking you know deep delve, just how fucking deep this album gets, and and all of the things they do lyrically and musically, and fuck yes, this is a this is a great album. I did hear that their follow-up album, the 10,000 Days album, yeah. they do this thing where, like, if you take one song and you play it on top of another song, it creates a third song. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so, like, I heard that and I was like, holy shit, how the fuck do you come up with a concept that big? But I guess when you take, like, fucking 30 years to write an album, yeah, you, you have the time. Well, that's for- that's why there's one track on that 10,000 Days that's just, like, a, a weird percussive drum track. Mar- oh, that thing that just sounds like lightning, like... Yeah, because if you put it yeah. on top, it's just it on its own just sounds like noise. Yeah. But if you put it on top of one of the other tracks, it is supposed to be beautiful. Yeah, but yeah, it's called the golden ratio too. That's what it's called. Yeah. Of course, this is mathematical sequence. That's why you're able oh, to get yeah. those those um, like one plus one equals two, two plus two equals four, mm-hmm. four. Plus, yeah, well, no, no, the so golden one. ratio is what you see in nature and like all these different spirals and yeah. like uh, snail shells. If you follow the the angle of the snail shell spiral, it is the mm-hmm. golden ratio, which is the same as the spiral of a sunflower, the seeds in the sunflower flower. Fucking yeah. And he and he you know that comes full circle when it gets to the song laterals when he says like ride the spiral and he keeps. Bringing that up, like, ride the spiral to the end. I don't know, just a beautiful album, like, to the point where, like, I don't care what genre of music you like. Like, if you haven't heard this album, like, you haven't lived, man. No, yeah. And you feel like, uh, like, not to use a Christian term, but you almost feel born again after listening to this album. When I saw this album live, when they played it here in Bakersfield in 2002, that Mm. was probably the most spiritual experience I've ever felt Yeah, it's like going to church. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. In a positive, and, and it's like you said, like like metal. Like you don't when you think of metal, you think of either like cheesy, like eighties, like guys wearing girls makeup or worshiping the devil or just all this like you know death and you know hate or whatever. But this it's like metal at its most beautiful artistic form because you feel like you come out a better person after listening to it. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. I wanted to read these lyrics too oh, yeah, because it, okay. after after Parabola, because this is where it like hit me like, oh my god, this is like one of those albums. If I go to a desert album or desert island, I'm gonna have to have this album. But it just in said, the meantime, I'm gonna try to pull out some of the artwork from it because it's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like the disc itself is beautiful. Which is so helpful to the podcast listeners right now. Oh yeah, but if you're watching, and this look, is why you need to join the fucking group. On if Facebook. you're not watching it on <laughs> Facebook, then you need to step your ass up because this is beautiful. That is. There you go. I love that, man. And it's different on the other side. Doink. <laughs> and it's actually the other vinyl has it differently too because the brain on. Oh shit! Oh Jeebus! Oh no! no oh no, 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 shit! Jeebus! Ah, we're good. <laughs> well, anyways. Anyway, all right. So all the equipment's dead. So anyone that's listening to us right now, God bless you. Because so that's the last time I do that. <laughs> well, God damn it. Uh, you know what, Art? If you had just died last episode, like we wouldn't have Oof. this issue. We would have a really good podcast. 
Sorry, man. We might have made the news. We might have made the news. Jesus Christ. Mm. Okay. Oh, hi, Ellie. Anyways, twirling around with this familiar parable, spinning, weaving around each new experience. Recognize this as a holy gift and celebrate this chance to be alive and breathing. Yeah, Art, you fucked up. A chance to be alive and breathing. This body holding me reminds me of my own mortality. Embrace this moment. Remember, we are eternal. All this pain is just an illusion. It's true. And if that doesn't give you goosebumps, I don't know what the fuck will. But moving on from that. Emily said on the Facebook Live that you're fucked up. That you fucked up. Yep. And you're faded. It almost got on my computer. I'm not going to mean. Faded. Faded. Fady Gaga over here. That's right. Fady Gaga. There it is. So what number we Fady Gaga Trejo. Number, number three. three. Number three. Good God. All right, go ahead. My number three, again, an album that just missed being number one by like a hairline fracture, <laughs> which multiple media outlets, publications have uh, garnered this as the greatest metal album of all time. To me, it goes hand in hand with Ride the Lightning. I mean, the basically, the, the way this... Um, the tracks are laid out is almost identical to ride the lightning um and this is metallica's master of puppets again from start to finish one of the most perfect albums you can listen to even if you're not a metal fan and again it builds upon that concept that um, ride the lightning took where it's like it's not just metal to be metal it's actual well orchestrated songs and you know just from the beginning battery which is this straight up you know just you know heavy hitting song which by the way, is a song I almost died to. The first time I saw Metallica, <laughs> I was on the uh, USC's uh, Memorial Stadium football field. I was front row. I was 18 years old, and I'd, I'd got right to the gate, and I endured. And it was 105 degrees in L.A., <sighs> and I endured Limp Bizkit, Linkin Park, Deftones, Mudvayne. Their full sets from at least 10 a.m., and Metallica, by the time they hit stage, was about 8.30 p.m., and I'm just dying. I'm dying of um, dehydration. I hadn't eaten all day. Like, I'm just sitting there just getting ready to die. And as soon as fucking Metallica um, opens up with battery, you just feel all 50,000 people on that football st- stadium rush to the front. My little five foot eight ass was dangling, um, crushed against, you know, the metal barrier, just dangling, just looking. And all I see is James Hetfield appear on stage. And I just see my world just slowly just close in. And I'm like, <laughs> I guess this is how I die. And you know what? I couldn't think of a more beautiful death than listening to Metallica Live play Battery. But, I mean, even, you know, the next song, Master of Puppets, which is a song about, you know, um, a, you know drug addiction, you know? You know, a lot of, at this, you know, time period, um, a lot of metal bands are glorifying, you know, taking cocaine, you yeah. know, and heroin and stuff like that. And they're talking about, hey, you know, the concept of this al- album is, you know, control is you know people having control over you you know master of puppets you know a drug is having control over your life um welcome home sanitarium is basically um you know about the movie and the book one flew over the cuckoo's nest where you know you have all these like these problems you know talks about you know soldier you know you know i have these problems i need help i don't need to be institutionalized where you know you're minimalizing my life uh, disposable heroes where it talks about you know soldiers basically just use being used as pawns you know and politicians um, wars, you know, for their own gain. Um, Leper Messiah, which, you know, deals with like religious, you know, uh, control, you know, that has over people's life. Um, all the way up to a song, um, Damage Inc., which is basically about dear mother, dear father, you know, you guys let me down, you know. And it, it's the most beautiful album because every song has, you know, a meaning where it, it speaks to you, whether you're a, you know, an angry youth 
or you know somebody who's just getting home from work and it's just frustrated you know with their job or whatever and you know it translates so well and it again it's coming from people who have aged two more years you know yeah. the last album they're 20 22 years old now they're 22 24 years old and it's just like i can't even think of people in their thir- i can think of people in their 30s right now who are not even that thoughtful i mean turn turning the album out around again look how young kirk hammett is right there uh, the one in the red shirt look how young he is right there the guy in the red shirt the little asian boy in the red shirt <laughs> he's like 22 he's 22 years old barely legal enough to drink right barely and he's legal. writing <laughs> barely legal <laughs> eighth street latina <laughs> and he's writing fucking guitar riffs you know james hetfield maybe 22 24 years old writing guitar riffs like i said about dr dre earlier you know where this is 1984 1985 yeah or 86 i want to say where 35 years later people are still trying to make you know guitar riffs this good this catchy this memorable where it's just like it cannot be topped it's just like dr dre it's just like music that's influenced so many bands you know whether it be in the genre of metal or whether it be you know even in hip-hop you know where people are using you know samples of this album right here and it's just like to me this just represents metal music at its finest yep nice so nice. master of puppets number three all right Oof. so my number three right here um which i don't have a copy of i, can, <laughs> I can't find my fucking cd um and it's technically referred to it is it is affectionately referred to as the bino album this is i've already spoke on carlos santana steve ray vaughn jimmy hendrix now my number one kamea Maya, fucking the greatest ever grand poobah Fucking guitarist of all time. No, this is my number three. My number one guitarist of all time, Mr. Eric Clapton. Ooh. Fucking John Mayle and the Blues Breakers featuring Eric Clapton. It is affectionately referred to as the Beano album because on the cover of it, Clapton is reading a Beano comic. Um, And this is... uh, This this is... um, Clapton met Jack Bruce, who he eventually recorded, uh, was part of Cream with, uh, recording this album. Uh, or a live show for it. Um, he had been part of the Yardbirds at this point. Um, uh, he had been, uh, what, Joe Cocker and the Roosters or something like that was was his first band. Um, but this album is just an amazing blues band done by a bunch of white Brits. Um, <laughs> they brought in Eric Clapton, and it is, as blues albums go, it's so fucking good, and it is so indicative of the time. Early 60s, it still kind of has that feel to it it still kind of has that early kind of psychedelic ish not really but sort of feel to it it's definitely got that recording to it but there's a couple of tracks on there um oh fuck what are the names of the tracks uh oh my god i'm <laughs> blanking so much god damn you art and your fucking ridiculous beer sorry man uh, it was tasty you know i, I said that out did of you hurt. drink it already yes i did i said that out of hurt and i i uh i, I didn't really mean it um, little girl, um, little girl, and uh, Parchment Farm. It's just John Mayle and a harmonica, and they are oh, so fucking good because he's just—he almost makes that harmonica sound wet. You know, what I mean, he's just playing the <laughs> ever-loving Christ out of it. Um, fucking rambling on my mind, which is a Robert Johnson song. This is the first time Eric Clapton has ever, ever had his voice recorded. Like, he's sung before for other bands, but never actually recorded it. So, uh, Rambling My Mind is a little bit of a slower track. It's Clapton singing his guitar, kind of an organ behind him. Um, and it's the first time Eric Clapton ever sang on a recording. Um, 
excuse me, Stepping Out. Stepping Out is a uh, a great instrumental track where Clapton just kind of lets, sort of lets loose, and he's got a little bit of a horn section behind him and stuff like that. And it's just a fucking fantastic blues albums, blues album. And once again, it's one of those albums where I listen to it and it's like, oh, oh, I can't get through this track because I'm so excited to get to a track three tracks over, so fucking I'll skip over. But I can't finish that fucking track because five tracks previous was a great track I really want to listen to. And it's just it's just so fucking great. I think John Mayall is a blues man and as a musician and, and as a band leader uh, is... Um, greatly underappreciated after about 75 76 mm. um but i think this was the start of clapton really branching out and really creating some some great music which he did some um, beautiful things solo um this was kind of a direct precursor to cream um derek and the dominoes was kind of which you know people kind of give yeah whatever um but this was kind of really the start for clapton becoming clapton i think um, this is this is the album where you saw Clapton is God starting to get written on <laughs> like spray painted graffitied on fucking doors in industrial areas of uh, um, the UK and and uh, this is this is just uh, for me just an amazing album and and just it's 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 something that I could listen to any time of day you put on any fucking track and I will not only will I be able to. Um, listen to the music sing the lyrics I will probably be able to whistle along with all of the guitar solos all the organ solos all the harmonica solos like I just I just love this album so much and it just feels like a great fucking precursor to so much and it's just it, for me personally it's so influential in my life and just just I, fucking great I can definitely tell because I as I've as we've gone through this list of all three of ours even though we have very similar tastes I definitely you're definitely more guitar and blues oriented yes. than, than us yes. two yeah so yep, and this is this is this is a big part of that. Yep, which I dig though because yeah. it's like if 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 all of us had like the same test, like oh my number three is the Chronic, oh, your number three too, because I kind of feel like I'm learning from both of you yeah. at the same time. Or it's just like it's just like okay, I need to check that out. Yeah, and yours as well. I need to check that out as well. Like even though we we overlapped a little more than than us three because you mm. were the Dr. Dre, Dr. Dre, Lateralis, mm. Lateralis. Yeah. All right, number two. Oh. Another album that me and Jacob overlapped on. <laughs> the Downward Spiral. Oh, there it is. Oh, by the way, um, Emily just joined the, uh, oh, uh, the live. Oh, she's talking shit. And she said, no, Lady Gaga. They got an honorable mention. Go back and listen to the podcast. We didn't mention it. I mentioned it. I sing praise. <laughs> oh, 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 call it a bread romance. Ba-ba. Speaking of Lady Gaga, probably album that I know that she was influenced by, your number two. By the way, goddamn, we got to bring the levels down on that. This one. is an anyway, amazing God. album, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Just, every time I look at the artwork, and then Nine Chanel's doubles down and uh, gets the same guy that does the artwork for this one. He, they do it for the Hesitation Mark, which a lot of people don't know about, but I have to mention it because Hesitation Mark is actually the sequel to this album, mm-hmm. and that's why it's called Hesitation Mark. It takes everything that happened on this one and it's like Continues. visualizing. Yeah. Someone walking into the crime scene of things that happened on this album. Not as heavy as this album, because it's obviously not the actual events. I don't uh, know if you guys get that reference. Yes. But, <laughs> but uh, anyways, um, yeah. So this album from beginning, it starts off with the, the sound effects of a movie, a George Lucas movie of a dude getting beat up. can't think <laughs> of the movie. Like, like the TH... 
THX. THX. Yeah, the sound effects from that point were like, Whoo. yeah, you're right. You did yeah. a much better sound effect than I did. I honestly thought it was Mortal Kombat at first, <laughs> like the Sega <laughs> <of> Genesis. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Get over here. Get yeah. over here. Yeah. Did I do that? <laughs> I don't know why I associate the two things. Mystical. But, um, yeah, yeah I mean, this, this album uh, was, Trent Reznor says he doesn't didn't know this at the time, but this album was recorded, but I think that's total bullshit. Uh, this album was recorded in the same house that the uh, Manson family killed Sharon mm. Tate. So Ooh. it's in the Sharon Tate mansion that they recorded this. 150 Cielo Drive. Yeah. And Damn. Laurel Hill, Laurel Canyon Hills. I went on a big Charles Manson thing, like right when he died here in Bakersfield. And yeah, this is one of those things too that that, um, that creeped out. Because I love this. Like you said, I love this album. It's just like Lateralis, where it's just like yeah. it takes music to a whole other meaning. And it's the perfect. I, I would explain this as well too. Anybody that loves, you know, rock and hip hop and wants something in the middle that's not Limp Biscuit or Corn, this would probably be your perfect marriage right here because Trent Reznor does just a good of job, if not better job, production-wise, you know, with synthetic synthet, synthetic beats and live instrumentation as Dr. Dre. And I mean, it's just to me, it's just when I talk about the ultimate artist, I think I think of people like Trent Reznor. And it's albums like this that is so well thought out, so well crafted. Um, it's in, it's of the industrial rock genre, but it's not anything like Skinny Puppy or Ministry or anything like that. Because yeah. at the same time, it has so much soul to it as well. Like you feel Trent Reznor's songs on here when he talks about you know, what's what's the the ballad on here? Hurt. Hurt. I mean, Johnny Cash covers it, and it's like yeah. your goose—you get goosebumps from listening to it. Like you want to cry. Like you—you yeah. you don't know what pain he's going through at this time, but it's like you're there. You're empathetic to the situation, and it's just so, so beautiful. That's the—that's the—that's the what art is supposed to be. It's supposed to make you feel emotion. You know. Yeah, and and this album, like you know, the title is the downward spiral. It really takes you down that downward spiral mm-hmm. of drug addiction and being addicted to sex and being addicted. Drug addiction is the big one, but mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and losing a friend because he the song Piggy is about um, uh, Richard Patrick from Filter when they had that big falling oh, out. Yeah. Like they were not homies after that, and it was mm-hmm. like kind of a fuck you song to Richard Patrick. Um, so yeah, I mean like it's it basically chronicles this like rock star character like fucking it all up and like going down this downward yeah. spiral mm-hmm. of drug addiction and sex addiction and not being a good person and all of a sudden your best friend is Marilyn Manson. (laughs) 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 And it's just, yeah, it's just, it's a badass album. Like I can, I don't think Nine Inch Nails will ever recreate this, even though they've created many albums that are amazing after this. But this album, it's just like, you feel the pain on this one. Mm -hmm. This one is like, it is a, one that you don't want to hear them recreate this album just because it's yeah. it's a painful one like this yeah. one this one's a rough one you don't want them to go through it again yeah no. it's just like they already did it they conquered that shit and he he's moved on and made other amazing albums but this one is like and the artwork is just so beautiful man mm. i love the artwork inside of this thing yeah just a great all, album all around and this would be a perfect example um and i think you would agree with me on this is this is a perfect example where the biggest hit on the album is not the best song no. What is your favorite song on this album? Because I thought about that's that too. a tough one for I mean, me. It's either either Reptile, yeah, or the Becoming. So one of the two. With March of the Pigs somewhere in there as well. Yeah. It's hard. It's a hard. It's a hard 
to put my finger on. I mean, we could do a whole podcast about it. <laughs> but the big the big song on here is Closer, which, I mean, yeah. if anybody that's heard, you know, Crab Radio at all in the mm-hmm. last 20 years, it's I want that song that says, I want to fuck you like an animal. Yeah. Beautiful is, song. Probably one of the yeah. another one of the most well-produced songs of all time where, like, I was talking to you about These Nuts, like on The Chronic, where it just has <laughs> so many different layers to it. I just love the instrumental to it just because, you know, of those, you know, layers. But it's just that one song where it's just, it's slightly less, you know, emotional. It's more, you know, you know, like radio friendly. I love it to death, but for the production. But it's not the best song on this album, you know, because no. there's so many, you know, once it gets to that David Bowie element towards the end of the album, yeah. it's just it's like listening to Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. It's like and, listening to Led yep. Zeppelin for it's like listening to Lateralis. And they even, you know, going back to Lateralis and you brought up Parabola and Parabola, they do something like that. Very similar to that on this album, they, they do uh, a warm place mm-hmm. followed by Eraser, where yeah. it's like this very soft, soothing, yes. very like cinematic, the warm place, and it yeah. slowly starts creeping into like these little sounds that sound like a little straw, like whistling, like little yep. insect sounds yeah, or whatever, and all yeah, of a sudden yeah. it builds up into this explosion of like just anger and like mm-hmm. self hatred for like. There's there's also like this failed relationship thing going on throughout this album with with that like you know he brings it up on Eraser he brings it up on Reptile he brings uh, like I don't know if he was getting involved with very promiscuous women and he was <laughs> I don't know what was going on mm-hmm. I've never really like I I hate overthinking these types of albums just yeah. because I love the emotion more so than I actually love the words themselves like right. I know the words are genius but the emotion just takes it to that next level mm-hmm. and this album just like god damn it because i mean Trent, he's not the greatest singer of all time it's kind of like ozzy like he's not the greatest singer of all time but the way he emotes over music is beautiful yeah that's 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 the appealing part of it the way the emotion over the music so huh. i love you man i'm glad you put this on your yeah. list this high anyways number two downward spiral two. there you go well Jacob, bring this back up a little bit um Numero dos. Like I said with uh, Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets, where I said they go hand in hand. Um, this next album, my number two album of all time, and the only reason why it went above Dr. Dre's The Chronic is just because I have so many memories of this album. So many memories of me um, you know, locked up in my room by myself listening to music. You get knocked down. Yep. Chumbo Wamba. Number yeah. two. Of, is my number one. How'd you know it was my number one? Oh well, that's my, my number one, too. So we can just stop right now. That's it. Okay. Okay. Do America. Be good no, out there. But just me locked up in my room listening to music, having three or four CDs on repeat, and me knowing every single lyric, <laughs> rapping in front of the mirror just over and over and over again. And I'll tell this story. I remember I was in the midst of doing that one night. Now, mind you, this before I ever had touched, you know, weed, you know, in high school or anything like that, Uh ever drank a drop of alcohol or whatever. I experienced what the first, last and only time what's called a natural high. And this is what put it over, you know, Dr. Dre's The Chronic for me is I'm sitting there and I'm rapping along to these lyrics. And I'm just get that head change, this this rush yeah. of euphoria, and it's just like I've never felt it since. And you know, it, when it's just a song talking about hey, ain't no fun if the homies, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we reference so, that a lot on this it, podcast. It, oh my god! It's yes. just, to me, it's the yes. perfect rap album. It's the graduation of Dr. Dre's um, 
from the chronic production style where he just kicks it up a notch he makes it more fun you know there's no it's not as political at all on this album it's just a straight up party album but it's snoop dogg's doggy style first oh album doggy God. style um yes sir perfect yes, from sir. beginning to end lyrically i mean he's not talking about much other than you know gin and juice and you know what's my name d-o-double-g-y-d-o-double-g but it's just a fun fucking record, you know, and life is about that. Yes, you can have your albums like Lateralis and, you know, The Downward Spiral or, you know, albums like Equimini where it's just socially conscious. But at the same time, you got to have, you know, those like mindless party albums like like fucking Shout at the Devil, like Motley Crue. And to me, it's just like, it, but it's also produced so well. The music on here is so good. The beats on here are perfect. Snoop Dogg is just, there's no there's no better entertainer now we talk about ultimate artists like 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 a trent reznor but there's no greater entertainer in my opinion in my lifetime than snoop dogg when you see him on tv you immediately uh, a smile comes upon your face because you know you're going to get entertained you know that you know all your cares and worries are yep. going to go away and it's because of his personality and it's just like it's somebody that i personally you know when i'm you know in my joyous state somebody i try to be you know i always tell people 90 times nine nine times out of ten i'm trying to make you laugh i'm trying to i'm trying to you know bring up the party a little bit you know i'm trying to you know even before we sit down i try to be like hey you guys need something to drink hey or let me hit you with this funny story yeah, try to get you know everybody in that good groove and it's just like something that i've taken away from snoop dogg maybe it's because i haven't had a dad for the last like 25 years of my life <laughs> i don't know but this dude like is seriously one of my greatest role yeah. models i mean it's not he doesn't do good role model shit but just his energy just he his is a vibe good dad though oh he is well, yeah well he's a better male role model than what you had evidently you know what i mean that's yeah <laughs> i think my dad's in jail for murder oh there you go so. <laughs> good there you go good I so yeah that. you do i will give you that but just snoop dogg's doggy <laughs> style probably my number two favorite album of all time just because it's just so fun and it's 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 life it's living life. Life isn't about just always about being introspective, not always about working through your problems. Sometimes it's about forgetting your problems as well. Sometimes it's about, you know, creating a good, fun atmosphere. And there's no better album that does that, in my opinion, than Doggy Style. I mean, you got classics like Gin and Juice on there. <laughs> Ain't no fun if the homies can't have none. By the way, I love, I love the little flute on Gin and Juice. Oh, yeah. Just kind of in the back, just kind of like if, if you're really like sitting back and feeling it and you're drinking your gin and juice or whatever you're drinking or whatever, whatever you're consuming. Bang energy drink. <laughs> and you just kind of let it let it flow, you know, and you just and you start to hear the little things in the music, in the production. You hear like the flute going off in gin and juice. And that mm -hmm. that's like, yeah, there's so much going on to it in the production lyrically. Not the deepest, but. No, it's, and here's why it's not the deepest lyrics, because Dr. Dre said, here, I have 20 beats. Pick out your favorites. Okay. All right, now let's make some songs. All right, I don't got anything written down. I'm just going to freestyle this whole album. His debut album, all yep. he did was fucking freestyle the whole thing. And then Dr. Dre, you know, put together, you know, the hooks and all that stuff with the dog pound and yep. Nate Dog and stuff like that. It's basically an hour of Snoop Dogg freestyling. And I, 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 you got to love it. Yep. You got to fucking love it. I will say this uh, Murder Was a Case. Oh, I love that. That's song. kind of one of the darker moments of the album kind of it's his deeper part of part of the album mm -hmm. god damn that song's amazing like and i think that's where you got my mama and my boo-boo too oh yeah my boobie's about to have my baby yeah there you go yeah, yeah. 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 so nice anyways
Number one for Eric. Number two. Number, no, number two. Number he's two. Gonna, he's gonna be number one. Oh, yeah, 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 number two. So my number two album is, uh, uh, again, kind of, it's funny, kind of going off of the blues and that, that kind of a thing. I knew Fucking, it. Um, <laughs> what I have found, and it's funny, is, you know, because the blues was huge, huge in England in... Uh, um, 50s and 60s. Yeah, 50s and 60s. And so what you see is, like, a lot of metal, depending on where it comes from, um, metal music from the US and from England and certain other nations it tends to be a little looser it tends to be a little bit more riff based because these are countries that are heavily influenced by the blues right Mm -hmm. whereas if you go to metal out of like uh, Norway and some of the more Eastern European nations and whatnot where it's much more classically based you see a lot more technical music you see a lot more technical death metal and uh, symphonic metal and stuff like that and I don't think that there's a better Fucking uh, instance of this out I think of I know England, what you're gonna say. except for Paranoid by fucking Black Sabbath. I know it. Holy fucking shit! This was if uh, Ozzy Osbourne is the king, is the uh, the Godfather. Uh, the Godfather. Fu- no, 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 no. Ozzy Osbourne is the Prince of fucking Darkness. Tony Iommi, the guitarist, Godfather. is the Godfather of fucking metal. The dude lost his fingertips in a machining accident at work, literally the day before he was gonna quit his job so that they could go touring on uh, as a band. Fucking, he was in the hospital, he was depressed, and then someone brought to him an album by Django Reinhardt, a, ja- a gypsy guitarist, a gypsy jazz acoustic guitarist, uh, who had also lost fingertips, and the, the stuff that Django does is amazing. It's beautiful work. And Tony Iommi said, well, fuck, if I can do this, I can figure it out. So Tony Iommi is the first man to downtune his guitar to a drop D. He put on basically little prosthetics, like fucking... Um, uh, 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 thimbles, thimbles with like <laughs> material over to to mimic fucking uh, skin. He would play. He still does play with something like that on his fingertips. Again, he's another lefty that plays the guitar just like Hendrix. And the riffs he came out with just sound evil, evil. All right, mm-hmm. it's just amazing. And um, it's because of that down tuned sound with that metal yeah. hitting. I mean, no yes. pun intended. Metal hitting metal strings. Exactly, exactly. And he's that whole album is just so fucking great because Tony Iommi is is playing some of the darkest riffs ever. Um, Geezer Butler on drums, his drums are fucking all over the place. Like he's really hitting the rhythm. But uh, no, excuse me, Geezer Butler. Dr- Bill Ward. Bill Ward is on drums. Bill Ward's drums are hitting you know all of these weird ass fucking cymbals and fills and whatnot. And Geezer Butler on bass. Geezer Butler's bass is just driving the whole fucking time. He's tossing in little riffs here and there. And for a while, they're like, I, I've been playing guitar since I was nine years old. But for a little bit, I was playing bass in a band in Tatchby. And Geezer Butler was my, like, all-time greatest bassist. Because mm-hmm. he wasn't just following what the guitar was doing. He wasn't just playing the same thing. Like, he was doing his own little riffs. He was driving the fucking band as a bassist. Like, the way that the band played together, Ozzy's lyrics all over it. Fucking Ozzy's oh, vocal melodies over it fucking fantastic you look at a song like Iron Man and yes everyone knows everyone knows that what people don't recognize is the fact that it's like a six fucking minute song with one of the greatest fucking early 60s breakdowns in all of metal for like the last four minutes where the band just goes off and Tony Iommi just has a ridiculous fucking uh, solo um uh, Electric Wizard is on that fucking album. Uh, Planet Caravan is on that album. Planet Caravan is like beautiful. Song. Planet Caravan is like a slow fucking. I can I can see like um, uh, camels just kind of going over the desert with that album. It's like fucking. it's like laying on your roof and watching the stars. Like yeah, that's how it's, I would... it's it's slow. 
Ozzy's vocals are really kind of, they're not distorted, but they're very reverbery. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's, that's, oh, it's just such a great song. And then War Pigs. War Pigs is probably my favorite Black Sabbath song of all time because it is something that Ozzy is singing on something that is socially aware. He is singing on world leaders sending their poor out to war. Um, you know, and he's talking about how they eventually are going to get, you know, judged by the devil. You know, God doesn't get them. The devil gets them, and he's going to be the one to judge <laughs> them. Um, and it, it, it is a very socially aware song, but it's still such a heavy fucking song. It is fucking dark material. They came from somewhere in the UK. They came from an industrial town that is just like, is dank. It is covered in coal, covered in ash. And that is what they translated. They weren't doing some hippie shit, you know what I mean? Because that's not the life that they were living and it just started off all of metal. This is, you know, Led Zeppelin was doing their thing. Um, not Blue, uh, what was Blue Oyster or some shit like that. Blue Oyster Cult. Cult. Not Blue Oyster Cult, but something else. Uh, they were doing another band. They were doing fuzzy shit before that. Um, but Black Sabbath, I think, is the first true metal band. And uh, I, I just think this is, uh, this, this is, this is one of the greatest. Great, this is, it was very hard for me not to make this my number one. I love this album so much. It is the epitome of. I could I could listen to this when I'm laid back and relaxed. I could listen to this when I need to work out. I could listen to this when I'm you know anxious. Way to work. Fucking, yeah, whatever. Just such a good album. Black Sabbath, Paranoid. Check it out. But to damn. Yep. You Hold just sold me on. What's the problem? Jacob joined. Oh. Oh, Rhett said he can help us set out so that uh, the uh, it'll sound better. Anyway, yeah. So now we, we're yes, good. Yes, we do look in the mirror a lot, Alejandra. We do look at ourselves in the mirror, but that's because we got a fucking timer in the corner and because we got comments we're trying to read. Exactly. So that's why. It's not because I mean, Oh, I wasn't even don't I was get just me trying wrong. to read. Don't get me wrong. Alejandra commented that we look ourselves in the mirror too much because we look Emily in the camera. Kerrigan, sort of, but, Eric but is faded. Faded. Yeah, a little bit. Oh. Fucking your fault. But mm-hmm. you know, I mean I am pretty. I'm very pretty. But I'm trying to look at the clock in the comments. And that, I shaved for this too. I gotta make sure it comes across that's on true. the video looking good. Number one! Oh, Art. my number one. My number one is pretty obvious if you know me, if you know me at all for the yeah. rest of my. I think I have an idea. So my number one, the beast that started yes. it all for me. I knew it. Yep. This, I this knew is, it. This is definitely. Yep. I only want to put one album by them on here. Otherwise, I would have had like. Who are, okay, you're, you're you're playing to the fucking Facebook watchers. What album? What is the? Say it. White Pony. That by. The Deftones. Oh shit! Wait, I'm wait, sorry. wait, 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 wait. By Deftones. Deftones. Ah, <laughs> sorry, man. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I just Mandela effect. I just right Mandela effect myself. Ouch. This is basically the album that started it all for me, and and this is this is the original pressing, not the fucking back to school version on it, <laughs> with Mini Maggot on it. This is eleven tracks. Uh, this is this is basically the one that took me from being kind of a fan of of metal, not really, and all of a sudden I heard this and I was like, holy shit. This is the greatest thing I've ever heard. I remember listening to this like every day on my way to school, every every day on my way back to school, just like being obsessed with every single second of this album. And still to this day, like I I, I think about this album, uh, and I'm just like I get the chills, like just pure chills when I hear songs like Elite, um, Our Ex Queen, Teenager, just pretty much every song on this album just gives me the fucking chills this is like music you can either like headbang to or you can like make love to your lady to like there's <laughs> there's, there's just so much going on in this album i want to make love to a woman to pink maggot and, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 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 there's like a sexual element to it the song friata seria which is a 
a Portuguese word, uh, Max from Sepultura. He's the one who told him the story about that, which I, I guess it means uh, like witch or sorcerer or some weird thing like that in, in Portuguese. But he was telling him like, oh yeah, it's, it's kind of a word that they use for like a woman that kidnaps a man and like does like sexual spells on him or something like that. So he's like, that's genius. I'm going to write a song about that. So that's Man. what that's all about. For the most part, every song is kind of up for up for interpretation. The only song he ever really talks about on this album is Teenager because it's a song that he wrote when he was a teenager. That's why it's called Teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, all the other ones, he kind of leaves them very vague, doesn't really go into them. They're all open for interpretation. I think every person that bought this album and when you finally get to Passenger and you get hit with that oh, extra treat of Maynard James Keenan being on there as the guest vocals, even though he's not credited on here. Uh, I think he is credited on the vinyl version, but he's not credited on the CD version. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, inside, not not anywhere out here. But um, yeah, it's just an amazing like treat of like a musical wall of Maynard's voice and Chino's voice, and they just duet beautifully together. And, mm-hmm. and it's a full-on duet. It's not like you know like corn featuring fred dursh you know, like <laughs> some bullshit ass like collaboration yeah. like that it just sounds all choppy like this is like i can't even imagine that song without maynard on it like he just takes us to a different level rx queen a lot of people don't know this about rx queen but um scott wyland from stone Tail pilots is on that song he sings on the chorus really yeah he sings yeah. like the backing vocals on that chorus i didn't know that yeah i'm trying to think if there's any other i i know the there's like a girl that's featured on Knife Party, but I can't think of her name. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna get some hate from like Deftones fans. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, that was you already called them the Deftones, so yeah. Sorry, guys. Hate. Good God, I don't even know you, dude. Man, I'm trying to think of any fun facts that I know about this album. I know that the lyrics are not the actual lyrics that they posted on the, inside the album because um, they didn't want to get a parental advisory sticker slapped on it. Chino yeah. just wanted like a plain album and just like no stickers, nothing on it. Uh, definitely no parental advisory sticker. So he changed some of the words. So on this one, it's I can see it right here. It says, stop, I'm drunk. That's the very first line on the album. The actual thing is like, fuck, I'm drunk. And so they, they changed it because they didn't want a parental advisory sticker on yeah. it. There's a couple other songs. Street Carp has uh, profanity in it, but they change it to something stupid. Um, um, Pink Maggot probably has like the most violent lyrics on the song. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know if you To me, okay, I would explain this album. There's a period of time, uh, 98, 99, 2000. Uh, this is right around the time our local band, Korn, you know, gets big or whatever. I mean, they're the, the fathers of new metal, which yeah. is this, this, this uh, genre of metal where, you know, there's no guitar solos. It, you know, rejects everything about metal before, and it just takes it to where it's like a marriage between hip-hop and metal, basically. And, um, you know, it became just very formulaic and everybody started copying, you know, corn, you know, whether it be Limp Bizkit, Mushroom Head, even Lincoln early, Park. yeah, oh Lincoln Park, God, early Head. iterations of like Mushroom Head and Mudvayne and all this stuff. And it just became so fucking watered down. It's kind of like, like 80s hair metal where it's just like, okay, when Motley Crue first started doing it, it was cool. Now it's kind of like, oh God, it's like a, like a big eye roll. Now to even a point where you say the words new metal and you and then yeah. metal. It, Actually, it's you know, it's funny. It, my, my girlfriend was like, oh, we're on the road yesterday, and she goes, we're, we're listening to the Spotify track. Let's see. Uh, oh, here's a, a Spotify playlist. It says New Metal. And I had to ask her, all right, N-E-W or N-U? 
Because <laughs> yeah. it's a very important distinction. Yeah, and it's just like your eyes immediately roll. Now, Deftones was a part of that movement because they're friends with Korn, you know, early. Similar to Brand New, how they started off. Like, mm -hmm. Brand New started as, like, this emo pop punk thing, and it evolved into something different. Mm -hmm. This started off, like, you could have put adrenaline in that same class of Korn. the Korns and, you know. Around the Fur kind of, too, has, like, that same, you know. Around the Fur species. evolves a little more. Like they come like, come into themselves a little more and. Um, and then this is actually the first album that Frank Delgado is a full-on member of the band. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, he was a guest appearance on the first two albums, but he's like a full-on fifth member on this album. But this album like elevates the genre where it says, you know what, we're not going to be confined to what Korn does. We're going to do our own thing. And from that whole group of new metal bands, Deftones is the only band still from that era that's still putting out relevant music. Yeah. And it's because they did they weren't confined to the restraints of new metal. You know, they just started making music like kind of like Metallica, music that they want to make, which is basically what art is. You know, not Arturo, the guy that I'm sitting next to right here. But Arthur it's just the interrupter. art <laughs> I need a shirt that says that. As fucking, you know, just music real music and that's what this album is it's the it's the launching point where this band became an actual fucking artistic expression yeah so definitely i mean this album like means the world to me this is the one that got me into metal in general even though it's not that metal now looking back at it but you know it's like rmb it's, it's a gateway it's a gateway I would yeah. say it's R&B-ish. It definitely is a gateway. It got me into Tool, which Tool got me into things like Meshuggah and Gojira and things it is, like that. It is what the government would like us to believe marijuana is. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely is the marijuana. To me, this is like the marijuana. Even though, White Pony, <laughs> even though White Pony is a metaphor basically for cocaine. Yeah, so. there's a lot of cocaine references on this album, lyrically. <clears throat> yeah, well, anyway. Especially uh, in the song Korea. It's a, it's, a, it's a hell of a drug. Hell of a drug, dude. I've and never if, tried, to be honest Oh, and if you haven't heard of this album, like... To me, this Death is like, White Pony. if you listen to any yeah. one of the albums on my yeah. list, this is the one that you have to listen to. Amazing. All right. Jacobo, number one. Okay. So my number one, I'm actually wearing the shirt for. Oh, yes. Oh, man. Purple Rain yes. by Prince. And let me throw out the fucking vinyl as well. Because Again, the reference to him wearing the shirt is so useful to the podcast listeners. <laughs> yeah. Just imagine my buff ass wearing a shirt with Prince on it, looking all handsome. So, and this is the actual vinyl that I bought maybe 10, 12, 13, 14, 15. I don't know how many years ago it was. But I remember, and I've talked about it these last two episodes, Rocket Records, East Hills Mall, uh, Dave. <laughs> yes. I would yep. go in there yep. for one thing, and I'd walk out there, walk out of there with six different things. He would, you know, I would go in for a Snoop Dogg CD. I'd walk out with an Iron Maiden vinyl. I'd walk in there wanting, you know, some fucking current hip hop thing, and I'd walk out with, you know, Motorhead. Now. This guy, you know, he, he, he had seen everything. He, you know, he knew everything pretty much there is to know about music, basically, because you can have six-hour conversations with him about music. And he was listening to something in the background, and I didn't know what the fuck it was. And I was like, man, that's really good. And he was just like, oh, man, you never heard this song before? And it ended up being Darling Nikki. And I was like, oh, man. doesn't the Foo Fighters do that? And he was just like, nah, man, this is the original version. He goes... This album's probably one of the best albums of all time. And I immediately started laughing because I only knew Prince as like that weird, goofy, quasi-homosexual dude that, you know, you know, just Tupac said in one of his interviews that, hey, um, I want to love women the way Prince loves women. And I was like, are you sure Prince doesn't want to be a woman? You know, and I, you know, me being of, you know, the uh, childish mindset at this time, I'm probably like 15, 16 years old or whatever at this time. And I'm, I'm not fully mature in my thoughts about, you know, 
art artistic expression or whatever and he goes you know what man i'm not going to charge you for this but i have a copy of purple rain in the back he goes i really want you to listen to it and i was like i, I know i've heard when doves cry you know like i i, I know what the, i know what it's about and he goes no man listen to it from front to back and tell me what you think next week he goes you don't owe me anything for this record but just take it home and listen to it and tell me what you think and he goes honest opinion man and i was like all right dude and so i take it home i listen to it once and i'm like oh that's pretty cool like it just sounds like you know like your typical like 80s um album i go to sleep and i wake up the next day and i got let's go crazy stuck in my head great fucking record you know it's 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 fun it's like everything doggy style is and it has you know this amazing guitar riff and just solo you know he just goes wild like Jimi hendrix and it's just stuck in my head and i was like you know what i'll play that song again but the rest of the record uh, it's just 80s pop music or whatever the next day fucking get um the next song um take me with you that's you know the love ballad that's yeah, on the song yeah. the number two in there and i'm like wow that's just a great song it reminds me of something that you know um, you know, any R&B singer would, you know, put out there, you know, like The Temptations or something like that. And I'm like, man, that's another great song. And then Computer Blue gets stuck in my head. And before you know it, just every fucking song on this record just like just hits yeah. me. And then I start analyzing the lyrics and I was like, whoa, he's really talking about detailed, you know, information about, you know, the beginnings and ends of relationships or whatever. And Andre 3000 kind of did the same thing with The Love Below. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he didn't do it as well. But you did pretty good. But it's just like everything that there is to talk about, you know, at the beginning of a relationship when you're in the honeymoon phase of it, you know, that breakup portion of a relationship, that talking phase of a relationship, just any every any and every aspect of a relationship he covers in this album. And it takes me back to that Tupac quote where he says, man, I want to love women the way Prince loves a woman. I mean, he's even got like the dirty, you know, just like one night stand songs like, like uh, Darling Nikki. You know, it's just it just every. 360 degrees facets of you know of of a relationship or any relationship that you have throughout your life and it's one of the best musical albums of all time as well because there's elements of metal music in there yeah. like let's go crazy of course it has elements of r&b because this is basically what it is elements of pop elements of country ele elements of every genre in there except except for maybe you know like you know mariachi music or whatever <laughs> but just anything that's like in american music he incorporates in there and he does it as the writer yeah. the performer and the executive producer it is all him it says prince in the revolution but it's prince doing everything on this album and to me it's just like when i found the more i find out about this record the more i just got i just i just i, I tip my hat to the man you know every, probably the greatest artist of all time every album that i i put on my list is like something that had to like trickle down because that got me into this other thing or something like that this album, like when Deftones play, they when they play the song Prince, they turn their entire entire stage purple just mm -hmm. as like a tribute to Prince. When Chino was in Crosses, they'll cover the song Cross by by Prince, and it's just like he's such an influential person. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's just like he he there is no like line he didn't cross. He was influential to everyone. You know, Trent Reznor talks about him. I've I think I talked to you one time about how for some reason this album and the Pretty Hate Machine album have like this very similar vibe to them mm -hmm. yep. and i've always like I, I never i can't ever put my finger on why that is but if you listen to the two they both have that very like abstract sexual but not really kind of vibe. this one's more sexual than pretty hate machine by far oh, yeah. yeah but um <laughs> what no pretty hate machine's pretty yeah. sexual you know yeah. well it has its sexual <laughs> tracks but not as not as uh no yeah no straightforward so, 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 as darling Nikki or something like that kind of... yeah and then the intro on this fucking thing the dearly beloved 
Yeah. Yeah. Gathered like, here, yeah. It's just like, oh my god! From the moment it, you put it on, it's just like musical bliss. Yep. Mm-hmm. So. I say, and and I I brought this up before um, as as part of an analogy on the dark web episode, oddly enough. Uh, but darling Nikki, um, that's that is darling Nikki is the song that Tipper Gore's eleven year old daughter was listening to, and Tipper Gore heard, and that was what started her creating the Dirty Dozen. In the 80s and going on a revolution that ended up with the parents parental advisory warning on albums this wow. this is the album and and uh, darling Nikki is a song that is the cause of the parental advisory exclusive content on C on albums mm-hmm yep was good that choice. it Did I just kill it I just yeah. killed the no, mood. Yeah, good choice is. no, no, <laughs> no I, just, yeah. I just think it's a tremendous tremendously good choice didn't make my list and I don't know why <laughs> um, it's an amazing album yeah, to I me, think I think the reason it didn't make my list is because I got into it pretty late. I think you and Ben and all, like yeah. you guys were since day one. You guys were into that shit. I think I got him into that. To be yeah. honest with you, because like at that point, like you know, we were talking about like what we liked and you know the Chronic or whatever, and I tell him, hey, you got to listen to this album, man. And it, I, I always, anytime I like recommend this album to people, you know, who are not familiar with you know this, they're always like kind of laugh me off, and I'm like, no. Like, like I'm serious here. Yeah. This is something that from beginning to end, you're gonna fucking love. And I think everybody that I've recommended it to, they end up obsessing over it, mm-hmm. obsessing over it to the point where it's just like. But before he died, I remember we I had this group chat which I still have open on my phone, where it's like, oh my god, Prince is playing here. He's playing here at this time. He's playing here this time. We gotta catch him, man. We gotta catch him because he did come to Bakersfield um, at one point. And I couldn't get out of work to see him because my boss was going to go see it. And I had to cover that shift at McDonald's. And I was just like, fuck, I should have just fucking made up an excuse and just went. Because it, going to see Prince, from what I've, I've heard, is like going to see a religious experience. Yeah. Like it's just a whole other level of, you know, of performance. And to the point where he, just like Michael Jackson, like it ended up killing him in the end because yeah. it's just like so so taxing on you know a uh, you know 50 year old man but that he would just put on this performance that would change fucking people's lives yeah and you know i think a lot of people today they they just look at like the parodies of it like the dave mm-hmm. chappelle's and like cam newton wearing the prince inspired socks when mm-hmm. they play in minnesota and stuff like that but they they it, it's very similar to again another analogy i brought up before um the fact that for that uh that uh what's her face the the woman that, that finally won an oscar that played julia child's um, oh, <laughs> uh, she said that when she played Julia Childs, she watched. Yes, she did watch Julia Childs. You know her show to kind of get the right movement and the right, you know, the voice and whatnot. But she also watched Dan Aykroyd's impression of Julia Childs from early, from seventies Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's something where the parodies almost kind of become the reality for the individual. Mm-hmm. I think that happened a lot to Prince, like the parodies and what people make fun of and really embellish. Because he was a weird guy. He was, oh for yeah. sure, but he wasn't quite what Dave Chappelle has made him out to be. He yeah. wasn't quite what you know. All of this stuff has has um, uh, just the. the I was gonna say he wasn't the outlandish, but he was. Mm-hmm. But he, he he wasn't. He was still serious. He was the, he was the musician. He was the artist. Mm-hmm. You know, above. And all it's else. weird people like that that make music that changes the world. And just like every album that I've I've said, you know, about, or it's just like after they released this album, everybody tried to do it. After after he released this album in 1984, everybody, even to this day, tries to replicate something that appeared on Purple Rain. Yes. And so I mean. To me, that's the mark of a great album. And again, like what I said with Metallica's Black Album and Guns N' Roses, um, Appetite for Destruction, 
you go into places where they don't really sell CDs anymore, but if they have CDs, this is going to be those. there yeah. on the rack right next yeah. to all those albums. So, and that to me is a mark. Music, real music is always going to endure yep. the times. Yep. So, Prince, Purple Rain, nice. my number nice. one. All right, my number one now, <clears throat> kind of in, in, in the same vein. Um, I have this. I couldn't. I can't find a fucking one of them, and it, and it, and it kills me. Um, I have fucking. I have this album on CD. I have it on fucking vinyl. I've got a tape of it somewhere. I have the main the uh, the title music video on fucking laserdisc. Whoa! Thriller. Oh shit! Fucking Michael Jackson's thriller. Oh my god! From start to finish, it is it is probably one of the most influential albums for me as an individual. Um, Eddie Van Halen is the guitarist that plays the solo on "Beat It." I'm convinced. Listen to that when I was three, four, five years old. That that is the reason why I picked up guitar when I was nine. It was put <laughs> in the back of my head when I was a youngin. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, you listen to Billie Jean, which is probably you know one of the better known tracks off of that album. You know, short of Thriller, you know, it, it's a song, serious song that's talking about you know a guy that is being put in the situation where he's having to deal with someone who is. Is caught, you know, trying to deny the fact that no, that is not my kid. Yes, yes, we have relations, but that boy is not my son. You know what I mean? And how he's having to deal with all of that, you know, in a world before you know paternal paternity tests. Mm-hmm. Um, Pyt, pretty, pretty young, young thing. thing. Oh, so fucking catchy. Such a great fucking song. That's the song just, too that oh, keeps yes. getting better with age. Uh-huh, yeah. Exactly. And I think the whole album, I think the whole album gets better with age. Um, I, I, you know, like I said, George, uh, George Harrison, early on my list, George Harrison's uh, Cloud Nine was probably my, my introduction to the Beatles. Um, the Girl is Mine was probably my introduction to Paul McCartney. Mm-hmm. The Girl is Mine, where Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson are going back to back. I mean, it's, it's almost like, you know, like an, like an early 90s uh, 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 hip hop track where it's two guys kind of going back and forth at each other, having a conversation. That's what Michael and Paul McCartney are doing. They're having a conversation about how, the, no, the girl told me this, the girl told me that, the girl is mine. No, you know, the girl, <clears throat> the girl t- told me that, uh, you know, we would never end. She would love me forever and ever, you know. Um, all of this shit, and it's just, and the music video is kind of fucking fun. Mm. Um, it's like some some weird, like uh, if I remember correctly, like some they're on the back of a fucking wagon or some shit. I think that's say that. say say. Oh, that is say say say. You're yeah, right. Never yeah. mind. Never mind. Never mind. That's on Paul McCartney's um, album. That's right. That is on Paul McCartney's album. Um, but I mean, just everything. I was I was about to say Liberian Girl, but that's actually off a bad. Yeah. Um, but that's a great jam too. Just Human Michael, Nature. Michael Jackson's just uh, just my one of my not one of Michael Jackson is my absolute favorite. Artist of all time, love. You know what's funny? You say that you had Princess. Um, Wait, this is your number one, right? Yes, this okay. is my number one. Want to be starting something? Oh my yeah. god! Yeah, fucking. Oh god! Every fucking. Uh, that is. That was probably the first album where it's like I want to. I am so excited. Beat it is my favorite. And actually, beat it probably is still one of my favorite songs of all time. Period. But <laughs> but like fuck, beat it is so good. But God, I want to get. And again, it, at like I'm like seven. I want to listen to PYT. I can't get through all of PYT because I want to listen to uh, uh, fucking Thriller. I can't. Which, by the way, Vincent Price through Thriller. When I was a kid, when I was a baby, fucking scared the living Christ out of me. Oh yeah. Vincent Price let, scared me to death. Um, the girl is mine. Uh, I couldn't get through that because I wanted to listen to Billie Jean. Couldn't get through that because want to be starting some all the way back to fuck. I can't start that because I want to hear Beat It again. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And just going over and that was the first album. Um, actually. That was the first album where 
my parents had one of those stereo systems where it was all the different components. So it was almost like a rack where you had the big ass fucking CD player. There was a completely separate unit, but connected to the big ass tape deck, which oh, yeah, is connected yeah. to the equalizer, which was at the top had the record player and at the you know right mm. it had the. Dude, I miss right? those. They're so right? beautiful. It was all the different components. One. That was one of the first. That was the first time this album was where I sat down. And now that I think about it, I had to have looked funny as fuck because I'm just sitting down on the floor. Just, you know, laid out, eyes closed, just kind of jam along, big ass fucking headphones like I'm wearing right now, plugged in, and I'm just listening to Thriller back to back to back over and fucking over again, just playing it like the fucking radio, man. And it really hurt me to leave it off my top 20. Yep. Um, hurt me bad because, I mean, I had all the same childish memories as you. Yeah. Like Michael Jackson, I, I cried a lot when Tupac died. I cried a lot when uh, Michael Jackson died. Yeah, me too. Because, you know, I didn't stop crying for like a week because, you know, there was always something new on TV and, you know, his funeral. And yeah. then when Usher touches his casket and, you know, oh, I lose it. I, I even start to get the chills just thinking about it. Yep. But it's just like he's one of those people that he's played um, a formative role in everybody's childhood or, you know, youth. And, you know, even going back to my mom, you know, when he was with the Jackson 5, um, just just to the consummate entertainer you know yes. like i like i'll reiterate yes. um throughout this podcast and these shows is just there's there's entertainers and there's artists he was both yes but heads and tails above you know anybody else that's ever lived probably the greatest entertainer of all time yes the greatest you know to the fact where you go to las vegas now there's so many shows dedicated to him you know the circus Soleil show that's out there at the uh, mandalay bay one of the finest shows you'll ever see in your life, yep. you know, just based off of his music. He's not even in there. And it's just like his music is the highlight of all those, these trapeze fucking people going all and, over the place. And it's just like his music was just so, so great. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And it's nothing that's, you know, necessarily as deep, you know, as Nine Inch Nails or Tool or whatever, but it still touches those same chords. Yes. And that's why it hurt to leave him off. It's just because, I mean, there's a couple songs on there where it's just like, it's just so hairline, my favorite albums, where it's just the, the one or two songs I just wasn't feeling at that time, kind of knocked it off my list. But at the same time, as you're telling me all these things, like Thriller, like those just little parts, yeah. you know, Thriller, like that wow wow buka 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 bow wow right, wow right. And then like, in, you want to be starting some of that, when they start talking in Swahili, where it's like, and then you got Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> it's not quite nama nama nah, but I'm not going to try to correct you while I've had beer in so you know what I mean. Yeah, I don't speak Swahili, <laughs> so I don't know. But it's just like, it's just those little parts of those songs, you know, aside from the hook. Is it just, really Swahili? Yeah. Swahili, yeah. And, you know, the fact that he, he, he got the biggest person of the Beatles on there, yeah. and he fucking kicked his ass on what he does the best, <laughs> it's just so great, you yeah. know. So, I mean, I, you know, I applaud you for that yep. as your number one. Yep, I, yes. It, it's, it's, uh, uh, it, it really and truly is influential to so many people for so many different ways. It's still an album to this day that I could listen to over and over again. And it's the greatest it's, selling it's, album it's, worldwide. That's true. That yeah. is true. He has a fucking tiger on the front of the uh, cover. You know a what baby I mean? Tiger. That's, he's got a baby, a he's got a baby. baby it's tiger. It's adorable. Um, and you know what? And this it's also a testament. I really love Pepsi. I still drink Pepsi, even though they tried to burn his hair off mm. during a commercial scoot. I'm a Pepsi that's generation right. guy so, myself. There you go. Um, Jimi Hendrix cannot handle that clock. No, but but in all, <laughs> but, in, but in all serious, uh, Michael Jackson uh, moonwalked his way to number one for for me with Thriller, um, and it, it's it's there was there was not a question. Like I said, like I thought about Paranoid being number one, and for a little bit I played with that, and I almost thought about it. But the reality is, when we said we're doing a top twenty of all time, Emi was like number one, Thriller. 
two through 20 fuck i have no idea i don't even know like <laughs> god damn it like my list surprised yeah. me a lot i don't know about you guys but my list like i was even here before we started recording the first one and i was you saw me i was scribbling yeah. notes and like i was going like really that's going that oh yeah i guess that's going yeah. that high you yeah. know that's going to fucking um where life jennings the phoenix ended up on my list kind of shocked the shit out of me but you know it it, it, it goes there you know what i mean it, number i think number nine number seven something like that um Fucking uh, the seven, number seven, um, and I was like, really? But this whole list, like, really kind of surprised me when I really sat down and thought about it. And that's why I think, ladies and gentlemen, if you have something on your mind, if you're going through something, my personal suggestion: write it down, write it down, everything free form, and just walk away, come back, read it again in three days, because you're gonna look at it and be like, that's really what I was thinking. That's really my frame of mind. Put that out. That's kind of what this was for me. Like, I had to actually list stuff out, and I had to look at it again and be like, wow, that really is what I think. Yeah, I guess that really is what I fucking think. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. But except for number one, Thriller, that's it. That was the only one that I knew for a fact had to be had to be it. So, with that said, that concludes our top twenty of all time. Um, maybe we might revisit this in the future. I don't know. Um, but I had fun. Did you guys have fun? I enjoyed yeah. it. Hope you guys listening had fun. Watching on Facebook Live had fun. You but know what? If you guys please join the Facebook group, like the Facebook page on the Facebook group. Um, Put up your top five albums, your favorite album of all time. You know, put your top twenty. Let's let's spend some time. Let's trade some music. You know what I mean? I think mm -hmm. we should put our 20, top twenty lists. I learned onto, a lot from both of you guys. Yeah, so. and I and I learned, I'm gonna go home listening to a couple of new albums on the way. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Uh, let's 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 us let's put our top 20s on the fucking Facebook group. Mm -hmm. Jacob's um, been doing a really good job of posting it on our Instagram. Our Instagram. Uh -huh. yeah. uh -huh. I mean, the funny thing is, like, I'll jump on there and I'm like, oh, who posted this? I love this album, and I'm like, oh, it's our Jacob. <laughs> yeah, it's our Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> My only Instagram, and I kind of wanted to tell someone asked me to uh, one of the questions. They said, how come you don't have your own personal Instagram? Well, at work, I kind of got in trouble. There's something called the Hatch Act, where you know. Um, this whole podcast is a violation of that act, by the way. But federal employees, you know, we're not allowed to necessarily talk about politics, you know, on, you know, work time. And technically, we're always, you know... Salaried. Yeah, we're always kind of like on the job kind of thing. So um, if you've ever noticed, too, why we kind of stray away from talking about politics, which we our number one episode was about, it's kind of because of that. Um, my whole <laughs> Facebook, I've kind of... <laughs> kind of short but shut down because it's because of that as well i don't want to get in trouble with work you know that's what pays the bills it's fun to do podcasts and stuff but it's not paying the bills yet we're not that's in right. the podcast studios located in hollywood ball <laughs> quite yet um but you know that's kind of why i don't really have any personal um accounts i have a personal snapchat that i'm a little bit more active in and that's just because you know it disappears i guess um and it's a little bit more fun it doesn't take up uh, space on yeah. my phone but if you want to get at it at me i'm usually at those um, Art and Jacob Do America things. So if you want to ask me questions, I'm there to, uh, to answer those questions. But speaking of questions, episode 52 is coming up in two weeks. Send us your questions. We're going to do a big uh, Q&A. I don't care how serious. I don't care how, how stupid. I don't care. No stupid questions. I don't care how silly. We're going to answer them. Yeah. And so um, I'm not sure what we're going to do next week. But, um, yeah, just, just hit, up, uh, hit us up with those questions. And uh, we'll answer them on our one-year anniversary yeah. episode, number 52. So. Join it like the Facebook group. Uh, like and Art subscribe. America. Um, Art is at uh, Robots vs. Robots. At Robots vs. Robots on Instagram. Jacob is basically at um, Art and Jacob, Art Jacob, Jacob America. America. And I am at E.B. Castile the first. That is with the number one on Instagram. That's E.B. as at Eric Ben Castillo. Did I already say tell you all my Google too? No, you but didn't. you can do it right now. Are you this? Oh, look at that. Smooth criminal look over here. At that. <laughs> so with all that said, everybody, have a good night. Be good out there.